0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of the Bomb City Podcast. Uh, this episode was a ton of fun. I went out to Concord, California to interview Brandon Flanner and Aaron Grosbeck of East Bay Speed and Custom. Now, these are two young guys who are putting out some really impressive work. They're super knowledgeable. This this interview is packed full of East Bay Custom car history. I actually learned a lot by doing it, and I hope you do too. So here it is, Episode 3, East Bay Speed and Custom. <laughs> this is the thing I was talking about. As soon as, like... It, realize the thing's recording it gets in your head just a little bit yeah yeah. but yeah I'm I'm stoked to be out here and I wanted to hear I guess about how you guys got started with uh, what you're
1: doing here and, and how the shop got started here um, basically well we started up I started I started it out about four years ago I guess we're in our fourth year now yeah this would be our fourth season we'll call it or whatever yeah, but yeah. Um, we go by show seasons that's yeah show we seasons that's how, how this. We, this is our fourth season <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I started like four years ago and I started in a little thousand square foot shop on the other side of town. Um, You know, uh, when I started up, one of my first big projects was that uh, green 41 pickup, 41 Ford pickup that Berry customized back in the 60s. Got that all done. Um, Aaron actually helped me a little bit on that for the show. And Aaron was still working for a guy in Oakley. And um, when he quit that shop, about, what two years ago yeah so I guess I did it by myself for about two years and then Aaron came came on about two years ago yeah.
0: uh-huh.
1: so but we've been friends forever went to uh, Wyotech in uh, Wyoming together that's how wow. we met he's from Idaho yeah. so then uh, the Rest is history man I mean we just both love cars we love hot rods, early customs. You know, early lowrider stuff. Even though we don't have anything like that, we we love all that stuff too. Um, you know, our, our main focus is early Fords, um, early hot rod and custom early Fords, um, and restoration stuff we like too. But um, yeah, this is our fourth year. Um, try and keep up in the bar every year. You know, do something new and different and better. And it's been uh, it's been fun, but a lot of work.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's, we've turned our passion for cars into a, you know, everyday yeah. hustle. That's all we do is think about the shop and try and do good for the shop, do good for each other, do good for our families, so, but it's yeah. been really good. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to be able to work on, I, Brandon can speak to this probably a little bit, but it's nice to have a little bit of control and be able to work on the cars that you really love. And that's important to both of us a lot. At Uh, the other shop you were working at, was
0: that custom stuff or was it more collision?
2: No, it it was a custom restoration hot rod shop also. Um, And we did a lot of stuff for other people. So a lot of, you know, most days it was just do this, this has to get done. You know, so. And you're an employee.
1: So you can love it and everything but tell you, you know. Or doing it for yourself, you're never going to love it as much as you would if you're doing it for your reputation and for you know the way you want to do it yourself, you know. And that's what's we have. We're so lucky because, like, all the customers we work with, we establish such a cool relationship with them that they end up pretty fast trusting our opinion, you know, uh, with what we do and our style and how we execute things. So we've been really lucky with working with good people and them trusting us and our ability to do the car. So that's, I mean, probably a big reason that we've been able to do quite a few cars in the last few years, you know?
2: Yeah, we have great customers, and they've all become friends. I mean, so we're, yeah, couldn't be couldn't be better than
1: that. And I think, you know, for us, it's really important. You know, the Grand National Roadster Show is really important to us because, like I told you earlier, for me, being from the Bay Area... You know, the Oakland Rocher Show was always something growing up when I was a kid, just like my grandfather raised me, so, and he was a hot rodder back since the 50s, and um, he's good friends with his buddy Dick Falk, and they would take me every year to the Oakland Roaster Show. We'd go to Sam's Hofbrau, across the freeway, go have dinner, and go to the Roaster Show. That was the deal, Friday night, you know, That's so awesome. I grew up going to the Roaster Show, and it was always a big deal, and I'd always count, you know go down on the main floor and count, oh, you know, Dick chopped the garnish moldings on Zoki's whatever that year and D'Agostino's whatever, and I'd count how many cars he worked on because he was my grandpa's buddy that, you know, customized cars and did custom work. So it was always a big deal for me growing up to do that, you know, to to go to the show and see these cars that I'd hear about as a child working on all year, you know. And uh, so it's a really big passion for me to, Strive to do cars and and have them in the roadster show, even though it's moved to LA. I still call it the Oakland Roadster show, yeah, like a many lot of people, people do, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's really important to the Bay Area because that all started here. Yeah. AMBR, the nine footer. You know, people nowadays call it AMBR, you know, America's most beautiful roadster. But all the old guys I grew up around always called it the nine footer because the nine foot trophy. Yeah. you know, and that was the biggest award. Nobody ever talked about the Riddler, and the Riddler's a cool deal, but being from the Bay Area, the 9-footer was, like, the pinnacle, you know, the best deal. So growing up, going to the roaster show every year and, uh, you know, seeing cars my whole life, you know, and then kind of turning it into, you know, my passion growing up around these old cars, I really am lucky to be able to, you know, I've gone to school, put myself through school, got out of school, worked for a couple shops. You know, I worked for a guy named Daryl Hollenbeck for, like, ten years. And mm. I really was able to, like, hone a lot of my skills there and work on some really neat cars. As Aaron worked for Mickey Galloway for a long time, who's yeah. a really talented. They're both Hall of Fame guys, you know, so we're very fortunate to be able to...
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that part of it, it was a huge blessing for both of us. I mean... It it kind of groomed us for this to, you know, for, for the next step. Yeah. And working with those guys with so much experience and so much knowledge was, was really cool.
1: I mean, we were both, I guess, the shop, Aaron, Aaron and I both worked at a shop before we worked for Mickey and Daryl. And, Darryl, and uh, let's see, probably, I guess you just probably started with Mickey when, yeah. uh, and we got thrown into... I, w- I had been working for Daryl for three or four years. I guess Aaron had worked for Mickey for probably a year and a half or so, and we got thrown into working on the Alucard. Yeah, that right. was, that was and the same like, car I worked on. Yeah, that That's was the same car you worked on. And we, you know, the, the, the place that Aaron worked at for Mickey Galloway, they did a lot of metal work and body work. And for a long, long time, uh, Mickey Galloway and Daryl Hollenbeck collabed on everything for Roy Brizio. So a lot of the metal work could get done at, at, at Galloway's, and they. They'd put the car in Bondo, and then it'd come over to Daryl's, get prepped, primed, blocked, 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 painted, rubbed out, and go back to Roy Brizius. So it was pretty cool, the first. I would say probably that was the second car that we collabed on together, how working were, for separate people. How old were you guys back then? Let's see. That were, What year did they show it? See, is, it Alucard, showed, that was 2008. It was, yeah,
2: 2008, because it won. It was 50 years later. Yeah, well, nice. that won in uh,
1: 58 and 59.
2: So, yeah, so 2000,
1: yeah. so carte was one of only two cars that ever won the 9-footer twice. Yeah. Ernie and Mosa in, I think, I think it skipped a year when it won, but that was 83 and 85. Ernie and Mosa had a T-Roadster that won twice, and the carte won in 58 and 59. Only two cars that ever compete for the 9-footer and won it twice. You know they changed the rules and all that, but pretty cool. But obviously a la carte, you know, really neat deal. And to be involved with that, and Aaron and I both being able to work on it at separate shops we worked for,
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah, it it was really cool. They did all the body work and we finished it over at Daryl's and did the paint work and um, helped assemble it over at Roy Brizio's. And being a part of that whole deal, showing that car 50 years later was really cool. That's awesome. You yeah. know. That car was such a mind-blowing car for the day. I can't even imagine walking into the shows back then and walking in and seeing that quad-headlighted, yeah. pearl-white, scalloped craziness because nobody did that. I mean, that was one of the first for that, you know. People still don't build a car like that to that extreme.
0: I mean,
2: no. it's pretty hard to step out of the box. I mean, we see it so much in the car world that guys kind of do what looks good, which is great. Of course you would copy
1: what, what looks good but yeah that was pretty that groundbreaking was, yeah that thing was so different yeah for its time i mean sculpted everything i mean most people don't have the courage you know most people don't have the uh artistic ability to
2: think about that design whatever yeah. you want to call it but yeah or the courage you know if they can to, to try and pull something crazy like and that. you know
1: what and it's it's so funny because there's no real gray area with that car i believe I believe either people love it or hate that car. For sure. There's nobody that's yeah. like, oh, it's all right. Yeah. You know, nobody looks at that car and is like, that's oh, all right, I guess. They either hate it yeah. or just look at that car and go, oh, my God, I love the Alucard.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? I, I grew up, car. I mean, yeah. I'm 32, but I grew up seeing models and stuff. I mean, I was never, obviously never around in that era. Yeah. But if you talked, I mean, it was so cool being down at the road show and that car was restored. And we showed it. And we showed it just like it was in '58, you know. Uh, Bill all over it. Uh, he worked for Roy Brizio at the time. He was heading the rest the whole restoration. So, you know, they would mocked it up and and foil wrapped the jack stands. I mean, it showed it just like it was, and nobody understood it. Everyone was like, "Why you why you foil wrap the jack stands? Check it out. Here's the picture. This is exactly." I mean, they duplicated the show sign a fifteen thousand dollar value was the like the headline <laughs> on, the show, on the show sign you know <laughs> fifteen grand to build that car back then, and that was a lot of money,
0: oh yeah,
1: you know, and that car had a crazy history, you know it got burnt in the fire in Linwood in fifty seven um at barrison's shop and uh you know got redone, and just it was a cool deal that was the first really Big deal for both of us to work on. When I yeah. vor- first started working for Daryl, um, one of the f- the first car I ever got thrown into working for him was a Sam Barris Merc. Wow! And you know he was at the tail end of finishing that car up, but I was like going to work there and I walk in and that's there and it's like, oh my god, dude! Like, <laughs> Holy shit! You're scared, but like honored, you know. So it was it was cool to be a part of cars like that.
0: Yeah,
1: just, I gotta imagine it takes a while just to
0: be comfortable putting your hands on a car like that Well like, yeah that's, absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah you really got to be respectful of you know the history and, and the quality of those cars and mm-hmm. you know it's it's a funny thing with these cars even like this 29 pickup we just finished you know it's like there's there's different attitudes about restoring historic old whether it's a real fancy or historic cover car or any of that there's these different attitudes about how they should be restored you know what i mean and Mickey's truck, this little twenty nine pickup we just restored, it never it was never like this. I mean, Mickey was fourteen when he got the truck in nineteen sixty. And he he drove it every day to high school, you know, and it was custom painted and all stuff like that, but the bar is set so much higher these days that and even restoring the a la carte, back to that, like oh it was never this nice. Well, are you gonna restore it like it was? <laughs> even though it was that thing was a knockout for its day. I mean, they painted the inside of the fenders and scalloped the inside of the fenders like the outside and bodywork them in 57 58. Yeah. And nobody was doing that then. But like this thing was a high school hot rod, yeah. you know. It was just it was like that, but not that nice. And it's almost like you got to have enough respect and, you know, especially with today's standards to to take a car that maybe wasn't that nice back then to today's level. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought it up because
0: one of the things that I always get caught up on is a uh, like when you're doing a restoration, it's there's so many different ways you can go about it. And running you know a, a custom shop, you guys are doing you, you find it, you're still doing something new with something that's been. I mean, Mickey's Mouse was like a that's that's a thing. There's like yeah. You could flip open an old magazine and see, like, sure. it, exactly how it was, so... Sure. It's a big risk to do something different. Well, it is. It the, is.
2: Yeah, I mean, this truck might have been a little different, because Mickey still owns the truck. Yeah. So the few things that that we changed, you know, or maybe a little different than how he had it in high school was stuff that he would have wanted he to do. He always wanted to yeah. If yeah. he could have afforded it. I mean, you know, you got to keep in mind, it, like Brandon said, high school hot rod. so... He can only afford so much. It can only be so nice. He's doing stuff in metal shop and whatever. So now that he can afford to do it a different way or to a higher level, um, of course we're going to do that. I mean, yeah. we have a, a standard that we try to keep, and, you know, it's just kind of the way it is. I mean, to be taken serious, it would be kind of hard not to do it to
1: the best of your abilities. And yeah. and that's the hard part, too, is that, you know, like, back – In the early 60s, when he was working on this truck, you know, he, when he got it, this truck right here was Art Hemsell's first custom paint job. Wow. And Art, that was Art's truck. So Art bought the truck, and at that time, he'd been custom painting, you know, little stuff, and, you know, he had started pinstriping when he was like 12 or something like that, I think they said, you know? And Art was a few years older than Mickey, so like, by the time he had gotten this truck, he'd experimented quite a bit. And from what he says, it was the first car that he ever used metal flake, candy, striped, and did anything crazy mm-hmm. on a whole car, you know? Even though it's not crazy, crazy by today's standards, it still has panel paint, striping, um, you know, blowouts, you know, all the little I, it, stuff.
0: It's yeah. still striking for today. I mean, sure. A lot of people get stuck in my opinion, in like the traditional mindset where they're like, oh, this is, this ends at 61. So maybe, maybe these paint things were possible, but I'm going to play it safe and just do like a solid
1: color. It's, it's a really unique truck. I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, and we're around a lot, dude. And there's so many people that are like sticklers and there's guys that are like, I I mean, I'm a nerd for this stuff too. I mean, I really am. I mean, I love this stuff. And Mm -hmm. There's, there's these guys that take it way too far about being error correct that are our age that do this. And you know what? I mean, what it all comes down to, and I used to be a lot worse than I am now about it, but like like really for the time, like this truck probably should have inch and a half bite walls because yeah. a lot of the time that, this, that he ran around in this truck, it had chrome reverse wheels on all four corners and inch and a half white walls. And then you'll see another picture of it and it's got hump caps on the back. Or hubcaps in the front, never on the back. And it never had hubcaps on the back because a Model A rear end, the axle stick out so far, you can never get a hubcap on. So he ran hubcaps in the front sometimes, ran white, wide walls, wide, white walls sometimes. I mean, depending on whatever he had, he had slicks for it, he had all these different things. When he showed it in 62 at Oakland, it had Firestone cheater slicks in the back and skinny whites in the front. You know, and, you know, these guys are so sticklers for like, oh these tires and oh it never had this or never had that you know what like you know what looks right on the car and you know aside from all that this car is still owned by the guy that had it when he was first got it when he was 14 you know like i said art did this this truck painted it like that for himself when he owned it and then gave it to his kid brother who mickey was 14 at the time took it to high school shop shop class put a v8 in it put a dropped axle in it you know Kind of detailed it and and fixed it up and lowered it for the 62 Oakland Roach Show. So he was doing little things at a time, like Mm -hmm. he built the firewall in shop class Uh and took it to Haas Plating in Oakland and had it plated and then put it in. And then kept driving. Yeah. It
2: was a steady progression. And, you know, like one of the things we did was the bedpipes. And he just, I always loved it. I want them. Let's do it. You know? And it suits the truck. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like it, it never had them, but yeah. he wanted them. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, it always had kind of a flat top on it. It was just a plywood top. So when we went back through it, we actually put a wood kit back in the in the cab um, with bows and all that. With bows. Yeah. He decided, you know, he wanted the the correct shape instead of just a flat top, and then uh, to put a visor on it. So there was a yeah.
1: few things that were, you know. It, it, it always had a painted windshield frame in it. I mean it's like you if you really dissect the old photos of these cars, unless it was like, you know, restoring the Sam Barris Merck of the Alacard or one of those cars, this car wasn't really we'll call it a famous hot rod back in the day. It was just like I said, it was a a kid's it was his it was daily driver. I mean yeah. he, he dated his what became his wife in high school in it, you know, and you know, she became his wife and they raised a family together and she died about ten years ago, and you know when this came about, he actually found this truck in two thousand eight, I think, and um, you know it, it resurfaced after all those years. He sold it in sixty two. Wow. Was and it's it still went, in the in the Bay Area. It was in Vacaville. Wow. Yeah, he Did sold it to a guy park? in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he sold it to a guy in Pittsburgh in sixty two. Wow. And the funny part about this truck is that he when he was going to high school and driving it around town here in Concord, because he lived in Concord and grew up in Concord, um, every once in a while he'd get a note on, on the window. I, I want to buy your truck. Here's my phone number. So he got, I don't know how many notes did he get? A lot. He said
2: every Friday the guy would stop and leave a
1: note. Never saw the guy. Never saw the guy. Always a note, Friday mm-hmm. night. So, you know, this happens for a long time, and then all of a sudden one of his buddies comes to him one night and says, hey, Mickey's always loved Model T's. He's one of the only guys that just loves, that's known for messing with Model T's. Most guys want to fix up Model A's or 32's and, you know, later cars. Mickey just loves Model T's. Even though this is a Model A, but he's always loved Model T's. So his buddy comes to him one night and says, hey, uh, there's a guy out in Pittsburgh that has a little T roadster all stripped down out in front of his house. And he goes, uh, you should check it out. So they go check it out, and it turns out that the car was what became the Moonshiner, but was shown in the 59 Oakland Roaster Show as a guy named Larry Selmers owned it. And what happened was uh, this guy, Larry Selmers, had this little 26T body, and him and all his buddies wanted to build a car for the 59 Oakland Roaster Show. So one of his buddies had a Sprint car, and it had these big, 18-inch solid Halibrand wheels and 12s in the front. He loaned him the wheels. Another buddy loaned him a motor. You know, they put this car together for the Roadster Show in 1959. They showed it. It got in Car Craft. It was on the cover of Car Craft in, I think, 59. And uh, after the show was over and everything dissolved, all his buddies were like, hey, I need my motor back, my wheels back, I need all my stuff back, man. Like, it was cool we had fun, but check yeah. this out. We need my, my stuff. We, we all need our stuff back. So the car got basically dissolved to a frame, a body, and an axle. And that ended up in Pittsburgh somehow. Um, I think the guy's name's Jess Alexander. So long story short, one of Mickey's buddies ends up driving through Pittsburgh seeing this T-sit there, tells Mickey about it. Him and Mickey go to Pittsburgh to check it out. It's the guy that had been leaving him notes on his truck.
0: Huh.
1: <laughs> That's who the guy was. So he ended up trading this guy, this truck in 1962 for the truck and 700 bucks and Mickey got the T which later he turned into the moonshiner and was on the cover rod custom in 63 it was shown in the Roadster show in 63 yeah and then it was on the cover rod and custom golden purple metal flake one of the first cars that was panelled was that car way before Barris or any of those guys ever did that stuff and art still tells a story about cuz art painted it you know Art and Mickey are brothers. Yeah. Art has always done custom paint. Mickey's always been the mechanical dude. And uh, we put the cars together. And Art tells a story about George Barris coming up to him. They took that car down to L.A. for an indoor show in 63. And Barris wanted to know how he did it. Yeah, How would you get both colors? How did you do this? How did you you know, get the metal flake to look like that and all this stuff? And and Art tells a story of, uh, he, he tells him, he says, I don't know, George, you're the king of customs, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the metal flake craze kind of went off from there. But that, yeah. really, the Moonshiner, if you look at the early photos in the Moonshiner, I don't know if you've ever seen the early photos yeah. of it, when it was purple and gold, Yeah. Um, and Rodden Custom, it was one of the first cars that was paneled like that. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of a trip that the guy that dug this truck, seen it around, left notes on it, long story short, ends up with Larry Selmer's car, which... Mickey gets in trade money for for the truck. He turns into the boot shiner and shows it, you know, forever. You know, it's kind of a cool story on how he got rid of this yeah. truck. And, you know, then it this truck bounced around, got dragged raced through the 70s, ended up in a barn in Vacaville, and it was actually at the Good Guys swap meet in 2008 sitting in the spot.
0: Wow.
1: And uh, Mickey and his buddy were walking through the swap meet, see this little 29 pickup sitting there. And uh, it still had the, never been painted. It had some rattle can primer on it. But that original green panel paint was still under everything, wow. washed off in a few spots. So, I mean, it was unmistakable that it was the truck. That's crazy. And um, he bought it back for 1500 bucks. Wow. His first car, you know, years and years and years later. <laughs> crazy. It's got, it's, that's, it's pretty neat history. And he's sapped since 2008. He never did anything with it. Yeah. Until finally this last year we decided to do it. How'd you guys get in
0: touch with the, with the Hensel brothers? Did they come
1: out to you or?
2: Well, we both met Art uh, when we when we were working for a guy out in Knightson uh, years ago. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: more than 10 years ago now. Art's a legend in the area. I and mean, he still works, right? You oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah.
2: We, that's when we both met him. And then we, we've been lucky to be exposed to him through Daryl and through Mickey Galloway. And uh, and we both just developed a relationship with them, became friends with them, got you know lucky enough to get to know them and work with them through some different projects. And then, um,
1: I mean, I'm trying to remember how I met Mickey. I think you have known Mickey. Well, when we from... moved to we moved to Concord, <coughs> Aaron and I both had old cars. Aaron had a 46. Yeah. You had your 46 two door, yeah, um, with a flat and cross member in the back and sitting on the ground with a flathead in it. We're running. We're. I mean, we're really the only dudes. I mean, there's not. This, there's not a huge car following in Concord. Yeah. I mean, Bay Area as a whole, there's a good following, but in Concord, there's not a lot. So, we're two young guys. I had a '57 Ranchero with a. It was like pearl blue with a lace roof and, chrome reverse wheels and skinny whites, and I was running around, around
0: in that.
1: that. Car? You know I. Um, you I, I have sh- dug that thing yeah. Yeah, it was a neat car. I bought that. I that was that way car. before we did TJ's yeah. Ranchero. But um, I don't think I've seen that one. No, that Pro one. It was a cool mm-hmm. car. I only had it for. I had that in a '55 custom line that was just had like white walls on it, slammed with you know spider caps. It was a simple car. You know, it was just a fun car that we used to cruise around. But, drove everywhere. Yeah, but I had car. the Ranchero at the same time. That was a really fun car. It had an old probably from the early 80s pearl blue paint job the whole car was like a light pearl blue and I just Daryl and I did the roof one day it was pearl blue already so we just fogged in some candy around the edge and did a couple lace panels on it and it was just a really simple car but I drove it to work every day and cruising around town Mickey has always had cars and you know we obviously knew who Mickey was but we'd be at a gas station one night or something you know and here he comes and, you know, his <laughs> one of his tees or something like that. And we just, you know, kind of jogged up a relationship that way, you know, and knowing Art, yeah. you know, there's a little cruise night that they have on Wednesday nights here in Clayton. You know, we all used to go out to that and we just kind of, you know, just like car guys meet. We just became friends, yeah,
2: and we were, I mean, we were friends a long time before we, he ever had us do anything. I mean, Brandon's been doing stuff for him for years. Yeah. Helping him on all kinds of stuff. And uh, we had a little hobby shop for a long time, and he's been helping him and a lot of the other local guys for a long time. And, yeah, just became friends.
1: I mean, it's been cool because this little pickup, Art painted that. The first time he painted that was in 1958. Yeah. And Art, you know, stills out in the shop every day doing his thing. It was so cool, you know, to get it ready and get it all prepped. Took the whole thing back up to Arts, and he painted that truck again that's so cool. You know, and yeah. for him to paint it the first time and the last time is was a pretty cool experience and I was lucky enough to be able to help him and be up there with him, you know. So it was it was cool. And yeah, that's a rare experience to yeah. be able to, you know, not only have the same guy paint it that painted it before and do it exactly the way it was. You know, that that was pretty cool. Yeah, really
2: cool. But, Plus arts the best. I mean, he's such an awesome guy yeah. yeah he's so and he's been really good to us and
1: helped us out a ton and sure
2: he's awesome
1: you know i've i've striped for years i don't you know i'm not like the type of dude that'll go to a panel dram and yeah stripe guys cars at car shows and stuff like yeah, I, that but i just heard
0: that daryl hollenbeck did an interview on another podcast uh, i should give him a shout out uh, chrome pipes and pinstripes okay you mentioned that you pinstriped norm ricardo's 59 I, had, I didn't know you pinstriped oh yeah i've known you for how long now
1: yeah a long time you keep real quiet about that yeah i don't i don't really you know like i, I don't i'm not a striper i wouldn't even call myself a striper yeah. i just i like doing it and i like doing it on the stuff i want to do but i don't like some guy's not going to roll up here in a harley and i'm not going to stripe his tank i just <laughs> don't i just don't and i don't like striping at car shows i don't yeah. do any of that but i've I've done it for a long time, and um, Eric Rays, who's a custom painter striper from, uh, I believe he's in Sonoma, he uh, he and I striped Norm Cardo's car. I mean, Eric did a lot of the long lines as I was, you know, That yeah. the hardest thing about striping is a long straight line.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't care what anybody says, you can do <laughs> chicken scratch all day long at a car show and panel jam all you want, Yeah. but I'd like to see a long straight line. That's the hardest thing to do. I've
0: heard know? that from, like, uh from other pinstripers that man anyone who pinstripes at a dealership that's a certain kind of respect it like is to pull just two straight lines on the side of a car that's, it's impossible
1: that's totally different than, yeah. <laughs> than pulling a line on a 8x12 panel you know yeah but. just
0: like like doing collision work and, and OEM paint job is sure completely different than doing custom paint it know? is
1: absolutely yeah and yeah Norm's wagon was man that was such a fun car to do I mean that was like right. and Norm is just the best dude ever. I mean, he just, he was so cool about that whole car. And, you know, that, I mean, that car, when we did that car, was kind of like, there wasn't, I mean, the panel, the panel painting thing and lace and crazy paint job, candy, all this stuff has always been popular, I guess. Yeah. But it, that, I guess that was kind of one of the first cars to come back out that was like finished really nice. Yeah. To the show circuit.
0: I mean, it was, it was to such a high level.
1: And I always loved the display too with the, the little Christmas. Color wheels. Color yeah. wheels. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the angel hair. Yeah. But we did the door jams, we did Underneath the Hood, Eric did a really cool, the car's name was me, Rancho Grande, yeah. and he did a cool mural with a cactus and stuff under the hood, it was so cool. Eric's just like, Eric is so creative with all of his artwork, he's a, you know, great A artist, I mean, you just let him do his thing and you'll be happy, there's just no questions asked. And um, it was so cool to like, be a part of that with him, you know, I did a lot of the small stuff, I did all the door jams, I did all of it under the hood, and Eric pulled all the long lines on the outside and did all that stuff. And uh, that was that was a really fun project, you know? And then that, that car, lucky enough, got on the cover of Rod & Custom before it. Yeah. Well, I guess it was a few years before Rod & Custom went out, but yeah, that was a fun car. But as far as striping goes, like, I don't, you know, I try not to, I don't do it enough, I guess, but yeah. if I if I'm doing something or I'm painting something that needs to be striped, I try and do it. So when it came to this truck, um, Art and I did it together that's so cool so it was really cool I mean Art's been striping since he was 12 yeah and um, you know he does as far as I'm concerned you know Tommy the Greek was the best striper bar none and he was from Oakland, California yeah. and he striped cars at the Roadster show, show his whole life and he's the one that created the teardrop and did the teardrop yeah. and the Greek style striping and um, since Tommy's been gone there's a lot of guys that you know do teardrops and do a certain style of striping and uh, Herb Martinez and and Art and all these guys do teardrops, but Art's teardrops are are so killer. Mm-hmm. And he did all the teardrops on this car, and it's so funny because when we got all done, we were here probably, I don't know, one of the nights till 4 a.m. Yeah. or something. a.m. Deep, yeah. Like yeah. 34. I think Sorry. Aaron Aaron said something. He said, "I wonder how many teardrops are on this car." <laughs> So we're, <laughs> we're getting parts back from Art, and there's just more teardrops in more. You know. But it, but it's really the same amount. I mean, they're all in the same spot it yeah. it had originally, and uh, so he count he counts it, I think, and I I count it, and I'm like, no way, no fucking way. So I count it again, and I go around the whole car and I count again. 71 teardrops on that car. Wow. 71. <laughs> now most of the time teardrops are done. They're either done in three or five. Right. So. We counted them all, and there's teardrops on the rear end. there's teardrops on the dash on both sides, there's the bed, Fizer, everywhere. Yeah, headlights. Everywhere. 71 teardrops. Mickey huh. is 71 years old.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So that was really and close. Art's not the type to... Ever... Art, Art is like, like... like... He doesn't even know how old Mickey is. He doesn't even know how old he is, bro. No, Art's like... I go, Art, do you know there's 71 teardrops? He goes, there Oh. Uh-huh far out man far out man that's cool <laughs> why, why do you care if they're se- well your little brother's 71 dude oh he is alright <laughs> he doesn't give a shit wow. dude. doesn't even care but it was kind of a, one of those cool little quirky things that happened
2: yeah but, funny coincidence
1: but yeah it was really cool to be able to strike that thing with art that was a really neat experience the whole thing was to be able to be up there and, and help him paint it and you know be a part of it I guess you know kind of cool cause that's not gonna happen you know that's one of those things that you don't know if it'll ever happen again.
0: Yeah, especially yeah.
1: like you know being car builders in Concord,
0: like to work with such. Yeah, I mean my my Concord history sort of sucks, but I can't really think of a lot of other people that were better known for being like a Concord custom car guy than Art Hensel. I mean, sure, yeah, he his was. name is
2: Art Barrel, I mean, yeah, yep, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. What, what Brandon missed is he won the he won the Von Dutch Award in in L A. Grand oh. National Roadster Show. The work
1: you did on the truck—that right. was, yeah, that was a huge honor to be able to win Once on the one in a board. lifetime award. Yeah. Pretty yeah. special. That was that was a really big honor to be able to get that. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, that was that was really cool. But Art, yeah, been doing—I mean, when the van craze was huge, Art yeah. was Art Himsel and Haas was was their deal yeah. in in the area back then. And man, the what? How many vans do you say do a day on average? He said he was doing like, yeah, I don't know how many. 10 to old, 15 vans a day. A day. Uh, in a we're not talking about blowing like. Yeah. We're, we're not talking scenes about. And sh- yeah, mean, we're talking about blowing like crazy desert scenes and. Uh, you know. Doing it. Indians riding Huskies. I don't know. Like, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Like, like coming out of like an igloo. Type igloo, type igloo I don't know. But they were doing that 10, 10 to 15 vans a day full custom paint jobs. Uh, Can you imagine? Like, and that's where, really, art was smart and made a lot of money and did very well for himself and got really creative in the 70s doing wild stuff, you know, when that stuff was so prevalent, you know, and been a custom painter his whole life and pretty much you take a car to art, you know, and just let him do his thing. Typical artist stuff, you know.
2: And that's what's so cool about him. You said you can't think of anybody from this area bigger than him. That's what's so cool to us about it is now we're able to work with guys like that um, that we've looked up to yeah and idolized for so many years um, it's you know it's really special it's, it's, really cool it's so
1: guys. funny growing up around here and I've heard about art my whole life but I didn't get to be able to be you know so close with him and and work with him or even know him or be inter- introduced to him until I was in my 20s and. Like, you grow up and you hear about, you know, probably guys in L.A. Are the same way with Barris and all these guys that are around in L.A. But Art is kind of our, you know, hometown hero yeah. here, you know. So you hear all this stuff about him. You think he's going to be like, you know, whatever, kid. Yeah, just leave me alone. <laughs> he is completely the opposite. He is like so happy. If you walked up to his house right now, not knowing you from anybody, and walked up to his door, he'd invite you in and tell you anything you wanted to know. I mean you can go into his booth right now Show and he'd that. hand you the paint gun. He's just that type of guy. You know? He just got a big jar of candy when you walk in the shop, grab a piece of candy, go and hang out, and just like stare at everything and he's he's just he's just a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. very talented too. So yeah, it's pretty cool to be involved with all these guys in, in our area yeah. that have done such cool stuff forever. I mean, John ALO, Mike Wanger, Daryl Hollenbeck, Art, Bill Reasoner—all these guys in our area that have done custom cars forever and do beautiful work. I mean, we've all had the pleasure of knowing, working with, and you know, seeing their cars forever, and they're yeah. still doing it, you know, which is which is really cool. So, like this year, this year was really special to see Cool Fifty come back out. Yeah, and Cool Fifty. Was before way before my time, but I grew up hearing about that car. And that car, Zoki built that car in 1976, chopped, Merc, full custom with a Kenny Foster interior in it, in 1976. So in the midst of the crazy street rod era, you know, here's Zoki with a traditionally styled, chopped, Merc, coming out of nowhere. And that car really, like, for the area, as far as what I know, because I wasn't, you know, around mm-hmm. then, but revived the custom car scene, you know. And Zoki and Diagostino have always done their little jog back and forth with their cars, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the first cars that, that uh, Diagostino did, I, I believe that Stardust, the Chop 40 Merc that i trying to style car he did mm-hmm. in the late 70s, was kind of his rebuttal to Cool Fifty. So it started way back then. Yeah, it started way back then. They've been doing cars that like that, back and forth forever. Yeah. And it was always the big thing to go to Oakland to see what Zoki did and what the Augustino did. It's still you know?
0: a big thing. Like in, in the Autorama, that one yeah. main
1: landing by the staircase, oh, yeah. they're like facing up. Every you know year. what the crazy part is this year? We parked. We were in Diagustino's spot because he didn't have his car done this year. <laughs> yeah. So that's crazy. <laughs> so everybody goes, huh? Diagustino's doing hot rods now, huh? <laughs> he's never painted under the fender wells before. <laughs> but no, we were in we were in D'Agostino's spot right where you're talking about this wow. year. And that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I guess his pat. He's working on a packer that Oz is doing, and they didn't get it finished, but it'll probably be finished pretty soon. But yeah, it was it was cool to be able to in spot. We talked to him quite a bit. And uh, he told us we'd keep it warm for him for next year. (laughs) (laughs) So that was cool. But those guys, those two have been going at it forever, building cars. And it was, like, the coolest barrier, like, rival, friendship, whatever you want to call it, what they have going on. But it, it was so cool to see them do cars back and forth. And Cool 50, that Merc, you know, as far as what you call today's, I guess, custom car, you know, traditionally styled custom car, that car really, in my eyes, from the history I know, in this, at least in this area and probably all the way down to Southern California, that restarted that whole trend again, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And that car went away for a long time, and it was at the Merck Gathering in Sacramento a few years ago. And it, hadn't been, it had been touched up over the years kind of deal. But built in 76, upholstered in 76, and then Marcos Garcia got to, you know, actually Richard Zoki's nephew... David bought the car, and Marcos went completely through the car. Uh-huh. And it's absolutely gorgeous, and it was so cool to see that car at the show this year. That was my favorite car in L.A. and in Sacramento. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up hearing about that car, and Art originally painted that car. You know, Reasoner Reasoner, and Art, uh, Dick Falk, um, all the legends from our area built that car back then, you know. And to have Marcos redo it, and, you know, Marcos is another... Extremely talented, just gracious, humble, oh yeah, uh, that guy is just a saint. I mean he's just a great guy, full of knowledge, happy to help any of his young guys out. you know we're lucky to be able to you know call him a friend too you know he's he's a great guy. I mean, we could very easily be in a different position, but we've been
2: lucky to have friends like that who've yeah. you know encouraged us and help us encourage us and help us along the way. You know, it's instant. it's been really beneficial.
0: Yeah, that's one really cool thing about the the Bay Area custom car scene is it's kinda like I don't know, almost like incestuous, like a lot of there's a lot of crossover between sure. The shops. Sure. But like even like the, the sort of fake rivalry, like the, the Zoki and yeah. the like everyone's real supportive of each other.
1: Absolutely. I mean for the yeah. most part. But and I, the I feel most like part. it's <laughs> I feel like in my observation, like LA is so flooded with like, there's so many shops that do so much down there, and there's a lot of talent down there. Um, and I think you agree, too, is that Bay Area has its own feel. You know, we yeah. do our own thing up here. The cars are, we have our own style up here. Um, and I'm I'm speaking, I, I guess I'm speaking as a whole for everybody that does this in our area, yeah. the whole Bay area, But or Northern California, I guess you'd call it, but it's really a cool thing because there's not a lot of hot rod and custom shops in comparison to how many there are, I'd say in Southern California, obviously, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, this whole area has got its own style. You know, Marcos has his own style. Reasoner had his own style. Zoki has his own style. The Augustino has his own style. All these people, Daryl, everybody that has been doing this for so long, Iello, everybody yeah. that it, it's, it's really neat to have, this northern california thing and now you know younger guys like us are coming up doing it and we're not just doing hot rods you know we're doing you know Aaron and I both love early custom cars you know yeah, 40s yeah, and 50s and early 60s style custom cars you know um and you know we're kind of like little old men inside you know we're we're in our early 30s but actually inside we're we're more like 80 I feel yeah cuz I don't like too much chop stuff, even though I do like custom cars, but I don't, you know, my personal taste, I don't like a lot of chop stuff,
0: yeah.
1: Um, you know, I just, I, I'm a more, or less is more type of person, but uh it's just, I guess, growing up in the area and developing a style from what I've been around is what, you know, has really led me to where I am and what I like, you know, so. It's cool, like, I, <clears throat> of course, like over-the-top stuff, like, I, I really
0: like that, I don't know, like, the wacky Hayward, Castro Valley, like, mm-hmm. the Bylon-built craziness. Yeah. But, uh, it's really cool, like, even for a shop that's just a couple years old to, uh, that you guys have really gotten into a groove with
1: the style of cars you guys are building. Yeah. Like the... It's been, it's been cool. I mean, you know, probably, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but, like, I mean, restoring the, the green cushionberry built truck yeah. with bed pipes you know, and then this thing's green with bedpipes and other truck. Like, I don't know. It's been cool, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just, I mean, I know I keep saying it, but, like, we couldn't do this without, you know, supportive customers and friends. And and it and really, you know, eSpace, Speed, and Custom is just Aaron and I. Yeah. But when it comes down to crunch time, we have so many friends that help us. Yeah, we got a big support group. we got a big support group. You know, there's... Bill Elwes is is a really good buddy of mine's dad that comes in here and Bill helps us and after work every night, you know, when it comes down to it. And there's a couple of retired guys around that just help us. And my grandpa comes down and cleans the shop and, you know, runs errands for us and he'll go over on the polisher and polish bolts for us. And, you know, it just there's there's so many people like that 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 help us. I mean, because this truck we did in five and a half months. That's crazy. Start to finish. Start to finish, yeah. You know, and ground up. And it's not like you're just, you know, doing a paint. I mean, we bondoed the whole frame on that truck, <sighs> blocked the whole frame, rubbed out the whole frame. The engine block is completely ground, yeah, painted, rubbed out. One of the nicest
0: it, engines I've ever seen. It's I just, mean,
1: it, like I told you earlier, like it was never supposed to be that in-depth, yeah. but it like Mickey... Is the type of guy, he's a super detailed guy. So I am too. We all are. But it just, oh, if we're going to do this, let's do that. And, oh, if we're going to grind the block, why aren't we going to grind the transmission? Oh, let's yeah. grind the tr- torque tube. Let's grind the whole rear end. Oh, man. And just it just kept going and going and going. But that end game date of having it at the Rooster Show in January, that doesn't change. The nights just get longer, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So we never stopped. I mean, it just, you know, five and a half months just straight working on that truck day and night, every day, you know, it was just, it was, it was a push, but we actually made it, you know, and it was like, we joke about it because we're talking about, I mean, we, like we talked about when you got here, it's like, you know, you're talking about going to Arizona with the 57 and, yeah. you know, we're talking about deadlines and it's like, you need them. Otherwise you, it just keeps going. Yeah. I mean, we do, we do. I mean, we like it you know that that one was really tight and that doesn't mean we want to do all cars like that yeah. cuz we're going to spread them out a little bit right. but but uh you know I really think that even if that was spread out throughout I really and this is it feels good to say that even if we had a year or a year and a half to build that truck I really feel like we wouldn't have done anything different yeah so we did the same thing we would have done we didn't we didn't cut any corners what I'm trying to get at no, for sure and yeah and that feels good to be able to do a car in that amount of time and not cut any corners, you know, finish it everywhere we can and and do the same thing. But that deadline you have looming over your head that it, that's not going to go anywhere and it does force you to get it done. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's a good thing to have. You always got to have that end game date, you know, to, to, to get these cars done. Even if it's Santa Maria or, you know, Sacramento or or whatever. Just can, oh man, that's that's that date. I'm gonna have Lumen over here to. I want to get my car done, or I want to get so and so's car done. It's it's a it's a kind of a good goal to have for anything really.
0: Yeah,
1: a drive, a reliability run. We do a lot of reliability runs and stuff, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just sets something to strive for,
2: you know. We just don't want to do it that fast again. It's just, like I said, we'll do, we'll do, if, if we commit to it, we'll make it happen, but
1: what do you mean if, yeah, (laughs) we'll make it happen. Like I said before, it's important for us to have a car in the roaster show every year. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people in some shops, you know, doing drivers is, is fine. And we like, we, we do driver type. We love that. Yeah. We love doing driver type cars too, you know? It's not all show cars and um, but having a show car done and I really feel like we've tried to like step our game up every year on the cars we've done and last year we did those two little T's we completely restored the, the lightning bug originally built by Franco and we took that car completely apart and you know did that thing way nicer than it ever was you know and um, we did the facelift on the moonshiner and showed those two. And it's like, you know, you get to a certain point, it's like, man, where are we going to take the Rochester show? You're just, you get caught in your groove all year long doing what you're doing around here, and it's like, oh man, what are we going to do?
2: But you can, I mean, you can probably relate to this, like you were talking about, you love to go to the show and see what's there, and, yeah. you know, and that's a that's a statement we want to be able to make, you know, what did Aaron and Brandon bring this year, and what's there, and, you know, we, we feel like that's important, you know, not only for us on personal levels, but for... For the shop as well
0: yeah for sure it's kind of it's kind of cool too to see you guys do it because it's like very eric correct for you guys to
1: be that like it has to be at the roadster show you know like yeah the yeah. style of cars you
0: guys are building that's
1: how it was done back then too. well you so. know you know what's funny is i never really thought of it that way it just yeah. kind of like has always been that way yeah you know but that was always a thrash for people <laughs> to get you hear so many stories of you know like yeah. i was talking to in in sacramento every year when Uh, like we were talking about earlier, in Sacramento every year, they take, if they can get the owner of whatever car wins the 9-footer in LA, to bring the car to Sacramento, they always display the winner at LA with the 9-foot trophy next to it in Sacramento. Well, it just so happens that the 52 winner, no, 51 winner, uh, Rico Squalia had a little T Roadster with a track nose that won a 51. Well, the guy lives in uh, Walnut Grove, I believe, which is in the back roads on the way up to sacramento so they usually get that car to come every year and park next to whatever car won this year so it's cool you get to see the 51 winner because it's local park with whatever car won this year you know so that car was sitting there this year again as it is every year and i'm talking to the guy that owns it and uh i was cleaning up daryl's car because daryl was working on friday and we we're or thursday and we were setting up yeah and i was wiping wiping off daryl's roadster and uh of talking to the guy that owns the '51 winner, and he was telling me the story about how that car was originally built, and when it was built, they started it in '50 and wanted to get it done for the Rocher Show and yeah. this whole, the whole typical deal, and it won in '51. And after it was all over with, everybody's excited because like there's two two of the best things at the Rocher Show are always move in day, setup day, mm-hmm. and move out because you get to hear the cars, you know. Right. So everybody's waiting to hear. Rico Squalia's, you know, AMBR 9-foot winner, blah, 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 this whole deal in 1951. It was the second year that they ever gave out the trophy. Drive out. Car had no motor in it. (laughs) (laughs) It gets all done, and and the guys that built the car unlatch the hood and take the hood top off. No motor in the car. (laughs) And that's where they changed all the rules. You know, they, they pushed it so hard to get the car done that they didn't have time to... I can't remember if it didn't have a motor in it, or, like, the, it was just, like, a block sitting in there, yeah. but it was something, like, crazy, <laughs> and they changed the rules from there on out. Yeah. But. Now we need spot check, or we might check <coughs> we'll Yeah. How we know. We that it. was pretty early on. <laughs> but that was, that was a pretty funny story about that car. He yeah. goes, yeah, this is the car that changed all the rules, you know? But, yeah, it was cool to see that. Actually, this year in Sacramento, they had that car. That car was in Sacramento the 51 winter o- Rico Squalia and then out in the the far building you know that big building they have out in the back of the Autorama it's usually like all the clubs oh yeah yeah it, it that was like, you, like a bunch of Imperials a year before or something yeah they have like yeah, you know they'll have like club, the Impala Club, clubs, the, club. Have yeah, the that's right you know the Thunderbolts from Sacramento all those guys to yeah, yeah. be out there and usually it's like oh walk out there and you know <laughs> kind of see what's out there but there's usually not much but yeah. this year it was actually probably one of the best parts of the show
0: huh.
1: and uh the early Ford VA Club, which I grew up in the early Ford VA Club my whole life with my yeah. grandfather, uh, they had a really good display of cars out there. And then the Bud Crackbond uh, T Roads for Pickup was out there. That won at 52. Wow. So to have 51, 52, and Daryl's car there that won, you know, this year, all in one spot. Was pretty cool, you know, to see three cars in, in one area. So that was pretty neat. That was a good room this year. And then the... Four banger guys from up in Sacramento, they call their club uh, Fast. They had a big display of, uh, you know, early sprint car style car, or early uh, indie style cars and track nose stuff with four bangers in them up there. So that was cool, too. Yeah, that was a cool display. Yeah. So we, I mean, we really like all that stuff, you know. There's a lot of heritage with it, you know, and we try and pay a lot of respect to that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like Sacramento. I thought Sacramento was a good show.
1: You know, there's a lot of neat stuff we hadn't seen. Yeah. Yeah, it was It's always hit or miss with Sacramento because we don't have anything left up here, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. Cow Palace is gone. Yeah. Obviously Oakland's gone, it's in LA now. Yeah. So all we have left is Sacramento Autorama and you know, and Decamp Blackie Show is a Northern California show. It's right like Central California show. He doesn't show, do it anymore. Is so it done? Yeah, it's done. Jesus. It's, it's been, been so done for a couple years. We in fact we took uh, Daryl and I took uh, Norm's wagon. Down there after that was finished and I think it only went on for like a year or two more after that and then huh. that was it. Yeah. I don't know what year that was. Yeah, been loop. yeah, he hasn't done it for a long time. I think Blackie's ninety He I don't know. Yeah, he's up there for sure. I don't think he can handle it anymore. That's yeah. true. That's a lot of work for him. And I don't know if you've ever have you ever been to Blackie's show? No, it was always it was the that was an invite only car show, right? Yeah. But he put so much effort into that show. Yeah. And, you know, the cool thing about Blackie's show was, you know, It was always the way he arranged the cars. And I heard so many people talk about it. I only went once. I only went that year. But it was so cool the cars were arranged in there. Because he always said that pulling in, you never put a black car next to a black car. You never put a black car next to a dark blue car. You never put a, you know, you never try try and mix up the colors. And he said when it's all said and done and you take a picture of the show from overhead, you want it to look like Skittles. You know, like just no two colors alike. And it, and it was so true to walk through that show and see how it was arranged and how much effort Blackie himself parked every car every angle put it on whatever color of carpet he wanted for every car in that show and there was a lot of effort and you know Blackie they were saying this year at the Roaster Show that Blackie's the only one that's been to I think the 67th it was the 67th year of the Roaster Show this yeah. year uh-huh. or 66th or whatever he's been 66, to every show yes. every day of the show since uh-huh. it started That's crazy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, that's just, I know we keep talking about the Roadster show because that's usually our thrash for the year. (laughs) So it's our, and plus it just got over with. But, yeah, we try and, like I said, we try and do a car for that show every year. And
2: show Sacramento after.
1: And then do Santa Maria or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. take that car to Santa Maria. Last year we took a couple cars to Santa Maria. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Yeah, we love Santa Maria. That's a fun one. Yeah. We like driving. I mean, you know, we, we do build show cars, but I mean, I grew up in the early Ford V8 Club, and those guys drive. I yeah. mean, my grandpa has a 40 Deluxe Coupe that has been to Canada, it's been to Dearborn, it's been to Florida. I mean, it's been everywhere. Right. I mean, the car's got like 100,000 miles on it, and it's beautiful. And um, I grew up driving these old cars. I mean, that's what's funny. Like, you're talking about taking 57 to Arizona. Like, there's certain cars that are built to an extent. But they should never be not able to drive. is right. the way we feel about it. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Whether they're, you know, you're worried about getting a stone chip underneath.
2: That's up to you. But it's, you know, capable, able, ready. Yeah.
1: So that's you know, important. That's, that's a, every I'm we're, sure we're building, building this car, and we have the chassis sitting here, all rubbed out, beautiful, everything chrome. And everybody's like, "How the hell? Are you? Like, is he gonna drive this thing?" Like, yeah, he's gonna drive it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the chassis is rubbed out everywhere, and everything's chrome. But that, what is that? I mean, yeah, drive it. Yeah, and Mickey's not drunk. may not like hit the highway and go to L.A., but he'll definitely drive the truck and that's he'll really use cool. it. Yeah, that's what's really cool. It was really
0: cool to see this year. Like the, it seems like the attitude on judging cars has changed. I mean, Daryl Hollenbeck winning yeah. the AMBR the nine footer is such a, such a huge. Uh, it really makes a big statement about what's important to judges these days. Like, so I imagine there was a time where driving. A, Nine footer car was like sure unheard yeah. of absolutely yeah. yeah it's so cool it's like such a big deal I think for that car to win like it's such a huge it's like such a huge pat on the back for all of us that well it build makes and it drive our cars yeah it oh, makes yeah. it like
1: it almost makes it seem attainable for a regular guy you yeah you know what I mean and and Daryl is just that he's just a regular guy you know and uh being as talented as he is he's he's a regular dude and it's his car is not is not an extravagant million dollar build you know that car was built by a bunch of friends you guys did a bunch of work on that too right yeah i helped him with a bunch on it that car actually he bought that i found that car for him um uh some friends of mine have a shop up in santa rosa called new metal customs and i used to help them before i had the shop here i used to help them a lot and one of their customers backed out on they started another project for those guys and uh that that car was had started being built by somebody else up in Santa Rosa, huh. and um, it came up for sale, and Daryl and Terry have always wanted a 32 Roadster, I mean, his his father-in-law and Terry's dad being Andy Brizio, and you know, that whole Brizio gang, 32 Roadsters is their whole gig, you know, yeah. and they've always wanted one, so when that car came up for sale, it was pretty fair, I told them about it, they bought it, so it sat in the shop for, I mean, he had the car for probably three three and a half years before really got worked on you know yeah this is like we were talking about earlier you having your own shop and trying to work on your car or your own cars is like so difficult yeah and having a busy schedule on top of that makes it even harder so you know i helped him where i could with it and uh, i helped him a little bit when i still worked for him and then when i started the shop here you know he didn't like i said he didn't work for that on that car for a couple of years yeah and then uh After it went back to Corey Talbert's um, in Detroit, they, you know, they had a cool deal going because Corey has a 32 Roadster that's almost a doppelganger to to Daryl's car, except it's got a flathead in it, a couple different things, but the two cars are pretty similar. Um, That car got, Daryl repainted that car for Corey, um, and part of the deal was it was a trade for Corey and and dan webb to set up the chassis on daryl's car the way he wanted it because daryl's car originally it got set up with a hemi and five-speed and daryl wanted a five-speed and chevy so long story short they they did a lot of the chassis work back there the cars got swapped his car got painted the car came back here and uh and daryl finished up all the body work, did all the paint you know i helped him with a lot of the little, little pieces small stuff you know and then uh, bill can Helped assemble it, and we all kind of, you know, I did a little bit here and there, but yeah. you know, it was kind of cool because it was collaboration of so many people, and it's really not a high dollar build. Yeah, and um, the car pretty much speaks for itself. You know, it's kind of one of those cars we we're talking about it because there's a lot of people, as there would be, if even if Chip Foose would one, mm-hmm. which, you know, the car he had there, that Magnuson car was probably close to a million dollar bill i mean i don't know yeah but it had competed before and didn't win so they brought it back um the detail yeah. and the quality of that car was just outstanding i mean mm-hmm. we were standing there watching yeah. chip and his guys it's pretty hard to. it's even... hard to compete yeah. Yeah, i mean what do
2: you what do you see wrong with something like that there's nothing sure. wrong with it
1: even, even though it's not, not my style yeah i have a lot of respect for you know there's like we go back to like how we're talking about these guys being error correct like I like traditionally styled hot rods and custom cars, but I also have a huge respect for, we'll call it the high-tech side of this yeah. industry. Street rods and all that stuff. I I really have a lot of respect for those cars and the work that goes into them. And there's certain ones I like a lot. You know? Oh, yeah. And, um, not saying I'd build a car like that for myself, but I, there's a lot of them that I do like. And that car chip built was gorgeous. I mean, they pulled that car in Wednesday, and, um, started setting it up. They drove it in and set it up. They pulled all the exhaust off at the show wow. and repolished all the stainless exhaust at the show because they drove it and put rubbed the floor pans of the car and the bottom of the fenders right there at the show and put it all back together on the show floor. That's crazy. And mm-hmm. Daryl puts his 20 by 20 carpet up, pulls his car <laughs> in the spot, cleans it, details it, puts the lights up, and walks away.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, and it wasn't, like I said earlier for Daryl, it wasn't, about winning that's not why he put his car in the show and I mean he would say the same thing if he was here maybe not I mean he's pretty humble but he uh, you know he put it in the show because having a car on the main floor at the roadster show is a big deal Yeah. and he's built his roadster and he might not be able to build a car like that again for himself because he's so busy and as we are we Mm -hmm. don't have time to work on our own cars either it's a huge amount of effort it's a huge effort Yeah. so he put it in there just like you know just let's do this cool let's go yeah. And he won, and it was such a cool experience to be able to be a part of it and be down there with him when it happened and all that stuff. That you know, it, it's pretty cool for all of us younger guys, especially guys that will call it a traditionally styled car. Won mm-hmm. that award, it kind of makes it reachable for yeah for it's younger guys. You know, I mean it's it
0: shows that it doesn't have to be like something sure. completely like almost like cartoonishly unattainable. Sure, like, sure. It was fun, like, I didn't make it to the show this year, so I was, like, sitting at home, watching Instagram, all these pictures sure. coming up. And when he won, it, like, everyone was celebrating. Yeah. It was like a victory for for everyone that that builds their, sure. their stuff and drives it. It was so Absolutely.
1: cool. And that was so cool like, because a lot of the cars from Northern California made such an impact down there this year. I mean, I know you said you didn't go, but being down there this year was so cool because it's so funny because I think Cole Foster or somebody posted something about Roaster show's coming up, and he had a trophy from Rod Powell, like, maybe in the 80s or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it said something about, like, Northern California is coming in strong this year. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember exactly yeah. what it said, but it was something to that effect. And it was so funny to, to walk around the show this year, and there were so many good cars by so many people. And like I said before, like, all of us Northern California guys that build cars, like, we all kind of, like, band together, you know? Yeah. Like, Bill Ganahl... Aaron and I, Brandon Penserini from Altismo, um, Joe, Joe Campani, you know, all of us guys, Daryl Marcos, Cool yeah. 50 was down there. I mean, all of us had our cars down there and it really felt cool to like have so many cars that made a big impact in LA where cars come from all over the place for that yeah. show. You know, and uh, I really feel like Northern California made a statement this year. Oh yeah. You know, and a lot of the cars cleaned up. We We were fortunate enough. We, you know, Although we put a lot of effort into it, we took home six awards, and that was really cool for us. That's awesome. And um, you know, all the comments and everybody that loved the truck—that was that was awesome. But you know, I, I really got to give credit to everybody that was down there, the product car from up here. Yeah. Because it was a, it was a really good year. Uh, you know, I talked to a bunch of my friends that didn't get to go. I was like, you missed out this year. Yeah. It was good. It was just it was one of like those years. of it. It a good year. It you know. Was great year. Yeah. With Daryl winning, and you know. Everybody that brought a car that just made an impact down there from here it was it was cool. It was really cool.
0: that's awesome,
1: yeah, I think what's neat about Daryl winning too is
2: daryl's been i mean he's he's been involved with some winners in mm-hmm. the past too mm-hmm. so he understands probably better than maybe some of the other owners about what goes into it and being uh you know on the blue collar side of it, yeah what what's really involved so i thought that was kind of neat for him to to be you know the biggest contributor to the winner yeah that's really special he's the owner i thought that was pretty cool you know he can really uh appreciate it you know you work for if you work for something you appreciate it more i guess is what i'm trying to say
0: yeah
2: you know i think he really made a big big
1: impact on that it. car's funny because it's like we were talking about the carte you either love it or hate it yeah i feel like daryl's car is the same way you know yeah there's like both sides of the coin with that car because it is a brookville roadster mm-hmm. it is a weird color yeah. and you either love or hate that color <laughs> i really feel that way yeah. you know and i feel like like i said about the carte you know no. yes yeah, all right like you either love that that color i really feel like daryl's car was black it wouldn't have won everything the same, if the car was black, it wouldn't have won. I really feel like that color made a huge statement, you know, like, he calls it the rotten avocado, but, you know, (laughs) it, it's so funny because the, being a painter's car and, you know, me being around Daryl for so long and knowing him for so long and working by his side for so long, like, it's, the car is so him and if you know Daryl, that's just, it, it's just, it ended up so cool, you know? Yeah. Everything about that build is cool, like, he posted,
0: it had to have been Instagram, the, the shift yeah. knob in that car. Yeah, the um, paint. That's, Yeah, like,
1: what's the story? That's like the, the layers of paint from his shop for yeah, how many years? No, that, like, that's not from his shop. His, his, uh, his well, a little back history on Daryl, yeah. his, his grandfather and father and uncle were all body men in Oakland forever. And his uncle and father owned H&K Autobody in Oakland, forever. Painted cars, did cars, you know, collision shop, forever. And built, you know, his dad has, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful 50 Mercs that's ever been built, Blue Velvet. And, um, but they had H&K Autobody in Oakland, forever. And by the paint bench, in any painter's shop, you will always see a buildup of paint on the ground. Yeah. You know, from dropping paint and, you know, loading the gun or whatever. You know Minus there's gonna the spot be
0: in the yard where the grass
1: won't grow anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I guess if you, underneath the dirt there's probably one of those spots. <laughs> yeah. But so when so when uh they closed the shop, I'm not sure what year it is, they closed the shop, but they went in there and chipped up a bunch of where the paint bench was, chipped up a bunch of chunks of paint. Uh-huh. And there's always been this thing they call it Fordite. Uh <laughs> You know, uh, from the Ford dealership in Richmond, I think, these people were taking chunks of paint, and you grind them down, you can see all the layers, and make necklaces and all kinds of stuff out of it, and that was kind of the thing back in the 60s that a lot of guys that worked at the plants, you know, would do, would take some of that stuff home and make, they'd they'd make, I've seen like tiki's and all kinds of crosses, they make out of what they call a Fordite, because the paint came from a Ford factory, so essentially that's the same thing that Daryl did with these hunks of paint that he had from his Grandfather, uncle, dad's shop at H and K Autobody. He had these chunks of paint from his dad's shop that he took and he whittled out a shift knob and all the knobs for the dash um, out of the paint. And I think Kirk Jones, I think Kirk Jones maybe machined the uh, shift knob and the the knobs for him, and then Daryl cleared them. So <clears throat> it's just one of those things—a neat it's little so touch, cool. yeah, yeah. And it's such a like a unique personal thing, like, exactly. He, it's piece it's of so his dad cool. with him, you know. His yeah. dad's not with us anymore, and his dad was so important to him, and, and his dad was important to me, you know. His his so Daryl's father, Dale, and my grandfather were really good friends. Yeah. So I grew up around Daryl's father and Daryl my whole life. You know, Daryl's father gave me a pair of Appleton spotlights when I was like eleven years old. Wow. I met a good guy swap me walking around with my grandpa, as I always was, and I'm walking around, and Dale comes up, and he always wore, like, this little beanie cap with a propeller on it, and no <laughs> shoes, and cut off jeans. He was just like, if you know Daryl or ever met or been around Daryl, he's super, like, got this crazy, you know, personality, he's yeah, super that funny. he explains a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah, his dad was, like, times ten, wow. just the funniest dude ever, and, uh, he pulled me inside, he said, hey, Brandon, tell your grandpa to bring you over to the, uh, his his uh, He had built a 57 two-door wagon for his wife, Carol, at the time, at which is still around in car. He says, come over to the wagon later, and I got something for you. Okay. So we go over there later in the show. We go over to the car, and he has this cardboard box, and he hands me this cardboard box. And I look inside the box, and it's two Appleton Spotlights, one twelves. And I'm like, you know, I'm like 11 or 12 years old or something. I'm like, well, yeah. Spotlights, what's the deal here? And he goes, uh. I bought those from your grandpa in like 1963 and those spotlights my grandfather had and bought brand new when he was a kid and had them on all of his cars like he had them on a 39 and took them off his 39 and put them on his 50 Pontiac and took them off 50 Pontiac and put them on his 52 olds and took him off 52 olds and he bought a 56 Nomad and he had them on his 56 Nomad and when he sold the 56 Nomad. He never put him on anything else. He kept the spotlights, and Daryl's dad ended up with him, had him all these years, and gave him to me. Wow. You know, and that was like, that was the kind of guy he was. He was That's just, awesome. he was just a great guy like that. But you know, Dale's one of these. I haven't mentioned him yet, but Daryl's father was one of the guys in the Bay area that just is one of those guys that is a staple in our area that has always built cars and built neat stuff and and made a statement for Concord, you know, in general. So he. uh... You know, he's a really neat person, really neat person. And and he's most of the reason Daryl is, is talented and it's funny and, <laughs> you know, and all that shit that Daryl is. So, you know, uh, I know I talk about Daryl a lot, but I have a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah. So I owe a lot to him. So, yeah, like I said, we go back to it. You know, Aaron and I were both lucky to be a part of, you know, they're a big. those guys are all a big part of why we're doing this, how we're doing it. Yeah. you know so it's pretty cool absolutely yeah. great guys to have these guys that have done it their whole life and been through it and still doing it and know the ins and outs of the industry and how to do the cars and have done them every which way possible to be here and guide us you know through anything we need is is pretty invaluable you know so that's that's important to us yeah, because a lot of
2: guys with talent can be kind of strange, too. They don't want to divulge too much because they think you're going to go run and be their competition, and they want to so hold So not them.
1: that way with these guys, yeah. And
2: we've been so lucky to be around some, you know, I mean, basically really talented guys, and they've been nothing but helpful and understanding, and, you know, they want to see you succeed. That's awesome. And it's very good. That's the crazy
1: thing about this area, too, is that, like, you can consider it a lot of this as competition. Yeah, because we're all businesses. Sure, but I I really believe that so many of us run on like our passion for what we do that we don't even see it that way. Yeah, I don't see it that way no, at all. We
2: don't see it that way. I
1: mean, it's there's plenty of cars that need to be built. There's plenty of people that want it done, and you know I think if somebody comes to us or any other shop like they want to come to us because of our style or however you know we do a car you know and uh, I think that it's really important that you know, we all do work together because there is very few shops in the area that do stuff and, you know, we are all friends and we've kind of all come up together and this younger generation and it's, it's really cool and really privileged to be able to be younger guys doing this, you know, yeah there's a lot of guys that are, you know, there's these trends, you know, that's a whole nother topic is the trend <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah. I won't, I won't get into that, but. We'll call it the Trog, the Trog thing is a trend now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I see Trog as, like, how Viva was, like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever when Viva was.
0: Yeah. I've I sort of been tuned out to that whole thing. I mean. Yeah. It's a...
2: It's a costume party. But you, you've probably seen it with, like, the style of cars you're interested in, you know, the oh, more yeah. outrageous cars. I mean, that has pro- that probably hit its peak and is. You know, which is good for you because it's probably driven prices down on, you know, those big body GM cars and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you probably saw it big time. It's like, wait, okay, all of a sudden now at Billetproof, every other car's got a flake top. You're like, well, that's, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, you know? it's it's a trend. It's a trend. Some got you know, it. Yeah, I mean, good and bad. Sure, but, uh, sure, yeah. But what I'm getting at is like, you know, these cars, in, in any particular style whether it be 40s, 50s, 60s style at some point it becomes trendy again. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter for the guys that have always dug it because that's not going to change for us. Right. You know what I mean? And I I mean I I love 40s style um traditional hot rods and custom cars. And it just so happens that the late 30s and early 40s style stuff is really popular right now. Yeah. And um there's a lot of people that come and go, you know, there's a lot of shops that pop up, do work for a few years and then disappear. Um, And and that's all good, you know, but we really love what we do. So we're going to, I mean, we're not going to do anything else. I'm not going to go work for PG and E, even though I probably should be. um, I just, I couldn't do it. No way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been a good thing too about being
2: exposed to some of these guys that have made careers and, and lifelong, yeah. you know, job or had lifelong jobs and careers out of this stuff. They've been able to, you, you can weed out um, the types of shops or guys or whatever you want to say it, that pop up and, you know, write the trends. You can see them come and go because it eventually fades away. You know, that's what we always say wait for the, the fad to fade and then see what happens. And that's a big driving force behind the kind of work we want to do, too, is we want to keep that kind of classic, timeless sure. stuff. You know, we want to make sure we're not falling into that trap, and I don't think we would because it's not really our taste or style, but, you know, you see these guys fall into these traps, and that's what they get coined as. Well, when that fades, so does that work. So
1: Yeah, and that's a tough thing, like even choosing colors for cars. Like, you want to, I mean, we've always kind of looked at it like when we do a car, you know, outside of a you know, old hot rod restoration. You know, if we're just doing a, a typical car for somebody, like we're doing this little 35 five window coupe for a guy in San Jose right now. He's a great customer. You know, and, and we're gonna paint that thing a stock color.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, we're gonna paint that car Cordova gray, which was a stock 35 Ford color. Guess yes. what? That car, that color looked killer when it was new. And 30 years from now, it's still gonna look good. I mean, it would have looked good in the 70s. It would look good now. I mean, timeless. Yeah. You know, is really important. I think you know, and our style as a business is, you know, our style of car, I guess, is pretty simple. We try not to do anything, not, and it's not that we can't do wild chop section channel cars. Sure, sure. we just don't like that's not our style. You know,
0: yeah, I've got a lot of a lot of respect for that. I mean, yeah, like a gray probably isn't the most attention getting color, but that's never sure. It doesn't seem to be what you guys are about here. It's, well, no, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, and it's and there, and I have nothing against any of that. Like, I really don't. Aaron doesn't either. I mean, we, we both dig, like, wild cars, like, you know. Yeah, we both have had
2: kind of wild stuff, too. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and it's not, it
2: not just being wild, per se. It's about something that, um, you know, you don't want a car to stand out because, you know, like, I make the joke, like, a fishing lure. You know, you don't want it to be a fishing lure. <laughs> when they just get caught up by the sparkle you want somebody to be impressed by the car right as a whole as a whole and the work and
1: the quality and everything but there's the other side of that too it's like if you look at all you know if you look at all the early early custom car paint jobs or I'll call it the early lowrider scene you know we'll use that as an example Larry Watson okay Mm -hmm. Larry Watson could take a stock 58 Olds Pontiac whatever and lay his panels out and paint it and you you stand back and look at a photo of one of those cars today.
0: Yeah,
1: they're still and, wild. Well, no, not even that. It's like you can take like there's that photo of that. I they think have, it's like 58 that '58 Pontiac that. Yeah, lots of power. Forty Boys '58. Yeah. You stand back and look. You just look at the photo, not knowing yeah. anything about the car, and you'd swear that there was a lot of custom stuff done to that oh, car. Yeah. Oh but yeah. But there's nothing done to that car. The best example I can think of that is the
2: is that Chevy that uh, that Jimmy did that the Harpoon painted. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, Jimmy White, yeah. That blue. Paneled, scallop Chevy. 50 oh, yeah. Or 50, I mean, yeah, that 50 car Chevy. was basically stock-bodied, right? Yeah. I mean, and... tell, But that's what I mean. I'm not saying that wild or outrageous or anything... I think that's totally suitable for that car or that Pontiac. Sure. I, but I just don't think it's suitable for everybody. Sure. And that's where it catches up with us, is if, you know, if Paul wanted to do that to his 35, that's when we would say, oh, we're probably not the place to do it, because... Sure it's not appropriate for that car.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes. If that car was a 58 Pontiac, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because 60 we... 60 Camino, sure, yeah, of course. We would love it, but... And there's a lot to be said about that, too. Like, there's a lot of cars that that looks good on, and there's a lot of cars that don't. So that's that's another part of that. Yeah. Is that you can go wild with something just as simple as paint and change a car so drastically without having to chop it, without having to do... Headlights and taillights and nose Mm -hmm. and deck. Maybe, you know, I mean, a lot of cars. I use, I I always go back to a 65 Riviera because it's one of my favorite cars ever. It's a beautiful car. And a lot of people say that because everybody loves Rivieras. You can't really hate on a 65 Riviera. Yeah. (laughs) Number one, because they don't need anything. They really don't need anything. Maybe shave door handles and that's it. Yeah. But why would you... Do too much to a car like that. Even though there has been cars that have done like that, like Marcos Garcia's '65 Riviera that's fully customized and is absolutely gorgeous yeah. that he did back in the day. But not to say that that car it didn't need much, but he pulled it off.
0: You yeah. know,
1: I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there are a lot of cars out there that don't need to be cut up just to be cut up. Right. And um, there's a lot of cars out there that that look good just with simple things done. And I've always said it. Wheels, tires, and stance will do ninety percent of your work. Oh yeah,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you could have a pink seventy-eight Pinto and have the right set of wheels and tires on it and make it sit right, and it'd be killer. No, you know, pun intended to Javier, but even though that's not a Pinto, but it's close. Yeah. But uh,
2: yeah, we say that all the time. The biggest mullet machine. You put star wires on it and get it sitting right.
0: You're yeah. done, man. You there, are, there's a guy in our club building a... Skyline A Montego? <laughs> yeah, it's fucking bad. <laughs> He's from the from the high desert. It should be out pretty soon. Keep uh, your eyes out, because it's... Like, I, I didn't even know what a Montego was till I saw him building this uh-huh. one. If you understand, like, what was... Like, there, there's a point when you build a car where I think you have some understanding with whoever designed this in the first place. Sure. Like, you understand how this panel is supposed to flow. Sure. And then you know which... Area you want to go with that? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to do an earlier, like closer to stock style, and you understand why things are the way they are, sure. Then you could you could do something relatively simple, like sure. The, not that the 35 is simple, but it, it is simple. No, it's, it's very
1: simple. Yeah, it's not as as flashy, and it doesn't need it. No, and it's not. It's it, that car is very simple, and that car, by the time we're done, will be pretty much all stock. Yeah, I mean, it has a loaded flathead in it. It'll have a dropped axle, juice brakes, and you know it'll have an attitude adjustment as far as, um, you know, how it sits and, and wheels and tires and stuff. But that's kind of the beauty of it is that, you know, like I lowered the headlights an inch yeah, and it's not going to jump out and grab you in the face, but it'll just look right. We got rid of the horns and, you know, we're sucking the bumpers in a little bit and, you know, a 35 Ford doesn't need a lot as a 36 Ford doesn't. And there's a lot of guys that, strive to go find a 36 Ford 3-window coupe just so they can chop it. Yeah, But to me, not that I have anything against chop 36 Ford 3-windows, but I don't feel like they need a chop. My favorite car in history is the Jackalory 36 3-window, and it's chopped. Yeah. And I love that car. You it's know? just and not I, your style here. It's just not my style here. Not that I wouldn't do a chop 36 3-window. I definitely would do it. Sure. But part of, the, part of our deal, too, and Aaron agrees with this, too, I know because we talk about it all the time, is that we may not be the shop that wants to chop and cut up and do all that stuff, but there's definitely right candidates for those cars if someone wants that style of car. Like if somebody rolled in here with a cherry, we'll call it a 36-3 window coupe. A really nice original 36-3 window coupe with good sheet metal. You know, they only made like, I think like 17,000 or those bodies or something like that in that year. I, and they wanted to chop it, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But if the car had rotted floors and the top was beat up and it was rusty everywhere and it was a good candidate for it, yeah, we'd do it. Yeah. But I wouldn't cut up a nice original car just because. I just, I couldn't do it. Myself, I couldn't do it, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, and it wouldn't matter if it's a 3-window or 5-window. If this guy, this, this 35 coupe we have, have out here is a really nice original body, I, I would not chop that car.
0: Yeah.
1: It'd be a shame. You know, and there's a lot of guys that would. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. And part of that's my 80 year old self inside, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I know that, you know, it's, it's funny because like a lot of, you know, we all talk about it and I get clowned on a lot for it, but there's a lot of people that like that stuff and there's nothing wrong with it. But I get kind of pissed off when I see nice cars getting cut up and you know, man, <laughs> yeah, I get pissed, pissed off. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, uh, I get really pissed off because you know. Like I said, I was raised by my grandfather, and, you know, like, I, you know, everything he's taught me and ingrained in me, I still use, you know. So when I see a nice early Ford, especially because that's what's close to my heart, sure. um, a nice car get cut up, it does, it pisses me off.
2: Well, they're only original ones, you yeah. Know? yeah,
1: and, you know,
2: you see a nice car that needs no rust repair or no, you know, damage replace.
1: It's like, yeah, what?
2: come on. <laughs> It's not necessary. There's guys looks... just
1: chomping at the bit, just watering at the mouth to cut those cars up. And I, I mean, there's a lot of them, like just like Oh, I can't wait to chop that thing six inches and, Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to you know I mean, flush be, mount in... skirts on those nice thirty six four fenders. I'm looking at, you know,
2: Kirk Hammett's three yeah. and the, the picture Brandon has at Kirk Hammett's but three. But that car was up. a five window. And that was yeah. a five window that needed a bunch of work and they made I mean, beautiful, perfect example right there. Yeah.
1: You know? I are a lot more prevalent than a three window. And they made that car into a three window. There's perfect candidates for every type of build. You know what True. I mean? And I feel like, I feel like we're pretty versatile that way. Like we're getting ready to start a project here next week. It's going to be a really, really big project. Um, that we're doing for a guy out of Arizona. Um, great guy. And he totally trusts us. And uh, we're going to do a 57 F100. Nice. Um, Luckily, we have a really nice truck to start with. Aaron and I actually bought the truck a couple of years... yeah, not a couple of years, maybe a year ago.
2: Yeah, about a year.
1: About a year ago. It was just here in town, and it's got 28,000 original miles on it. It's a perfect candidate huh. to build a car out of no rust. I mean, just a nice original car. And we're going to build this 57 Ford truck completely different than we've ever done anything before. And people are probably going to be pretty shocked when it's done. Huh. Because it's going to be really contemporary. And... It's totally, it's going to totally be our style, but, you know, kind of not what people expect. With a modern flair. Modern flair. And everything we do is kind of old school, you know? Yeah. And um, like I said earlier, like I have love for the more modern builds too, and it's not that we can't do them, it's just that a lot of the stuff we have done has been a lot of our style, the way we do it for ourselves, and this truck's going to be you know, we're sending it to Chicago to have a roadster shop chassis built for it. Ford Racing got behind us. We got a brand new Coyote motor for it, 5-liter um, motor. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be way different than anything we've done. But that's the, that's the big challenge for Aaron and I is that yeah. we're going to do this car that's so different for us, but to still make it seem like it's us.
2: Interesting, and we I think we'll be able I mean we'll be able to pull it off. Absolutely. It'll be very it'll be it'll be really fun to do. I mean sure we had a similar challenge uh, Before I got on board with Brandon. He had started at 24 Hudson. It's a completely stock restoration Yeah, uh-huh. and he worked out about a year and a about year
1: and a half on it. Yeah,
2: and um, He already had a lot of work done when when I came on and uh we finished it up about a year ago and showed it and you know, did really well. We're trying right now to, to get into Pebble Beach with the car. Wow.
1: And, and that's a whole different scene that, yeah, that that's style car deep, that we did. Did yeah. you see that did you ever see pictures of that car? Was it the was it the, was it the It's a, yeah, it was yeah, a Faiton yeah, twenty seven
2: Hudson it with
1: big old wood spoke wheels and yeah. Yeah. but that was the same
2: thing. I you know, it was very different than what we were used to mm-hmm. out of our out of our wheelhouse you know, per se, but I think that all said and done detail wise and everything it suits us
1: yeah uh, yeah for sure for some reason the car is completely different and that's kind of the cool thing like i've i i do not see it as much because it's just what we do Mm -hmm. on these cars but like i hear people tell us all the time at these shows like even you said when you got here like and that's honestly one of the biggest compliments we get is that we have our own style and you know that i really like hearing that because it's like okay you know i feel like all these cars we do may be so different that maybe the style doesn't resonate through all of them. But we're still doing these cars, even though they're all different, how we want to do them. So even, like, you take Mickey's truck and put it next to that 24 Hudson that we restored completely stock concourse restoration, you can still tell that we did it yeah. for some reason, even though they're completely different. Yeah, hopefully there's some continuity there. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. You guys, you really, um like, the the early Ford factory stuff, you can tell it's real special to you guys. Yeah. uh, It really, like, even as as wild as, uh, as Mickey's truck is, it's still like, there's a lot of early Ford underneath it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And that all comes, and that, you know, Aaron will agree with this, my grandfather's a huge part of both of our lives. Yeah. And that's where that comes from, you know, and, you know, we've taken that and just, and kind of ran with it, you know, and, uh, Luckily, Mickey is not only into early Forbes, but he, you know, he likes T's and A's and all that stuff, too. So, like I said, it's just kind of a, we want that to resonate through all our projects. Even though, like, this 57F100 we're doing, um, we want that to be very different, but still feel like those guys did it, and you could tell, you know? interesting.
2: You know, one of the things that kind of comes to mind is, coming up through the industry, I always... Some A lot of the cars we worked on, or a few of the cars I worked on, were built by Brizio in San Francisco. And I, I hear this, I just always heard the same phrase, oh, that's a Brizio car, that's a Brizio car, that's a Brizio car. And I paid attention to that, and I paid attention to a lot of the detail stuff, and, you know, and yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, they have a recipe they stick to because it works. And I think that's important for us to kind of, you know, Car about this groove, so when somebody looks at the car, they can say, Okay, that's this, that's an East Bay car, and uh, and we start to develop you know a certain direction we're, we're trying to go with our stuff.
1: And that's what's hard, you know, doing these cars is that you're never going to be handed, I mean, well, I shouldn't say never, but you're always going to have something different to do, you know, and and that's the thing with that truck. I keep using that 57 pickup that we're going to do because it's going to be so contemporary. Even though it's going to be totally differently styled, is for us to go outside of our box, but not too far. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and still pull it off. And we'll be, and it's going to be great. I mean, we already know how the car is going to end up, and it's going to be great. And I think, I think even somebody that doesn't have interest in cars like that, per se, will still dig it. You know, cool. And and build a, a contemporary car where you can put it in your garage and come back out in 20 years and still dig it when you open the garage you that's going to be yeah that's going to be our, we, we kind of try to keep that Like I, I keep talking about that but I, I think it's really important any style of car you know we'll call it a restoration or a hot rod or custom or low rider or whatever um, to for it to withstand time and, and be timeless you know yeah. I think that's really important for especially these people spend a lot of money in car on these cars and what's hot right now might not be hot in five years. Mm -hmm. So the colors, you know, the themes, the upholstery, all that stuff is so important, you know, and for us as a shop, you know, we, we take on a lot more than, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're the only shop like us, but we do almost everything here (laughs) outside of chrome and upholstery and glass. We do everything here. We do all the body work. We do all the paint work for the most part, you know, art painted this truck, but we had to paint it because he was the one that originally painted it. But, you know, I rubbed the whole truck out. I got it ready. I did all the detail work. But we do everything here in-house. Aaron wires everything. I mean, everything is done here. And that's, you know, a blessing for us because we have control over all of it. You know, there's a lot of people that outsource stuff. And, you know, I've tried to outsource before and it just hasn't worked out. And that's okay. But it's taught me that that we need to keep tighter reins on what we do and, and keep it all in house because we have control over A to Z. You know, outside of upholstery and chrome, um, the car never leaves here. Yeah. So I think that's that's pretty important, you know. And that's hard for a lot of shops, I think, because you know, I have a lot of background in body and paint and fabrication, sheet metal and chassis work, and so does Aaron. Aaron, you know, Aaron's done a lot of sheet metal work, and Aaron's really good at metal shaping. Yeah and uh all that stuff too so that's a that's a big plus you know we both can do chassis work and um and it, it works out good that way you know that's that's one of our i think our biggest our biggest deal that we can do all that stuff in the house
2: the little bit of experience we've had with outsourcing is you just lose control you know and yeah. that's a big part of making these car you know these cars ending up the way you want them to end up hey, being really- able to
0: it's a personal thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's got your name on it. Absolutely, sure.
2: yeah. So, I mean, in, as much as we are sheet metal guy or body man or whatever, we also put ourselves into all of this stuff, too. So, it shows, you know, it, you kind of leave your signature on the stuff
1: at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the build. So. And there's that type of guy for every aspect of car building, you know, Mm -hmm. there's different shops that do every style of car that, you know, some guys do outsource and some guys don't, you know, but it just kind of, I don't know, I guess, I guess when I started the shop, I kind of just, I didn't really, I didn't really have a really crazy plan or nothing, I just, I knew I always wanted to do this and it just so happened that I could do body and paint and fab and do all the stuff and you know, I'm not a wiring guy, so luckily, Aaron is like a genius with wiring, and he's just like very meticulous and routing and wiring, and you know, you can relate. You know, and it's just it it all works, and it, it's come together so well with the two of us, and we work so good together, and we just happen to be best friends, and you know, it's just it it, it all works good, and we make it happen, and we both have the same work ethic. We just if we got to do something, it's gonna happen. There's yeah. no ifs and, ands or buts about it. And I and I, our customers trust us, so that's a big plus. Yeah, they know that about us. You know, it's like we're doing thirty-five. The guy with thirty-five came in. Paul came in the other day, and he uh, he brought in the headlights, and he had you know he had started the car kind of primarily in his garage and did as much as he could do himself. And this and it happens a lot, I think, with a lot of projects and and guys with shops is that these guys will do as much as they can in the garage and get in over their head or or get tired of it or, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios with these cars. But for us, a lot of the time, you know, it comes in different waves. But, um, you know, Paul had started the car himself and and did some of the chassis stuff and put the motor in the chassis and then kind of we've taken it over from there. But he brought in the headlights the other day and he had these little marker lights for the top of the headlights. And he go, oh, you got these cool little marker lights (laughs) on top of the headlights. And I just looked at him and I went, that ain't going to happen. And he goes, no? And I go, nope, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he goes, whatever you think, just wall up the holes, do what you got to do. And, you know, that's just a, a small thing of what I say when, you know, Aaron makes a, you know, a comment to a customer or, you know, that somebody has an idea or we have an idea or they have an idea. We all work together and give our honest opinion of what we think is going to be best for the car, no matter what it is. Yeah. So whether that requires more work or less, it the doesn't matter. Wins. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. car wins.
2: It, it, it's it's about what makes the best the best car, or you know, what make what, what gives you the best product. I think is is what we strive for.
1: And the cool part about it for us, you know, and, and you know because I've, man, we've been around each other for a long time, right. you know, through the shows and you doing Charlotte's Web and all that stuff. Like you know, we grew up, I guess, you know, around these cars, but I guess really getting engulfed in it in the last ten to fifteen years. You know, being older and being able to drive and, you know, I mean, I had high school, you know, I was into five liter Mustangs all through high school. I've always been into early Fords my whole life and, you know, growing up in the early Ford V A club. But when I got into high school, like I I wasn't going to, you know, I probably looking back now, I wish I could have afforded an early Ford or a hot rod to drive to high school, but I just, I couldn't. And I had to buy my first car. So I bought a five liter Mustang and I had three of them. And that's what I messed with all through high school. Aaron had a Skylark, you know, like yeah. and a Scout, and he's from Idaho, so it was a little different. But, mm-hmm. but I had five liter Mustangs, and I still I'm saving up right now to buy another one. I'm gonna build a crazy five liter Mustang. <laughs> actually, I'm waiting for the sideshow craze to to die off, so they can actually become <laughs> be attainable again. Attainable. So, yeah. once the sideshow thing movement kind of dies off, and some cars start popping up again, <laughs> after we're all beat up from being slammed in the cars on the side of yeah. of uh, East Fourteenth and. <laughs> Anyway, but, uh...
0: Yeah, I'm excited for it to die down so I can record in my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me, I promise. Yeah. I, did, I,
1: did, I did my fair share of that in street racing and all that yeah. stuff through high school, but but I guess what I'm trying to get at is after high school, you know, I got out of the, the Mustang thing and, and I, you know, went away to college and went to WyoTech and did all that stuff and Aaron and I met and, you know, I've always been in... I guess I kind of... I, I, I got reunited with my hot rod stuff when, when i was back in college and i started building i built a little 2017 coupe in college and chopped it and it was pretty nasty yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know it was my first now. yeah it was my first car i ever built and I, you know i chopped it in school i yeah. built the frame in school and you know did all that stuff and i got back here and i, I finished it up and I, I think when we first finished it i took it to paso yeah and um we're talking yeah oh oh five well five yeah 2004 2005 somewhere in there Two thousand four, yeah. and uh it barely ran and there's a picture of all of us pushing it in rod and custom <laughs> like because yeah they were kind of clowning on us because we're here these dumbass kids pushing this shit box 27 coupe, <laughs> like in rod and custom and a bunch of guys we worked with we all got it finished and i think aaron was you were working for a hot rod shop in portland you flew yeah. out and helped me finish it yeah we so we got it done
2: yeah actually i remember
1: that pretty good so i flew out um i think
2: on a wednesday or a thursday yeah and we worked all night for like three days yeah two or three days and all through the night yeah got it wired and plumbed and running kind of for the first time and yeah i mean so
1: nothing's changed. We're still we're, yeah, we're pushing we deadlines. Yeah. We have we have, still haven't learned shit. The yeah. Cars have gotten better, but we haven't. <laughs> we're,
2: we're not any smarter. We no, just, no. Uh,
1: we've gained a little weight, and yeah. still fucking yeah. still work the same. But yeah, no. It, we did that car in like 0405, and that was really the car that like restarted it for. I mean, I guess the hot rod thing for both of us. Yeah. Even you know, though we've been not, into it our whole lives, it, um, it gave
2: us a reason. I mean, it it exposed us to castle Paso. Paso yeah. Robles. And it, it exposed us to the Cow Palace. It exposed us to all that stuff that kind of molded both of us, really. And sure. Like Brandon said, uh, you know, I... When I came up, I I don't come from a car family or anything like that. I just like cars and um, kind of developed it on my own. And in high school, you know, an old car was a muscle car. And that's kind of the direction I Stay went. Stay shitty. Stay shitty, yeah. And, uh... And I, as I got older and decided I wanted to learn how to work on them, and I found Wild Tech Vocational School. That's where I met Brandon. My tastes kind of just grew to older and older and older. You know, the older I got, the older cars I got. I liked, you know, and um, and then when we became friends uh, in school, I went off and got a job at a you know a street rod shop up in Portland and was up there for a couple of years um, and learned a lot from some talented guys and then uh, when I was ready to make a change, Brandon uh, hooked me up with the guy he was working for at the time and I was able to get a job there and really, you know, I was still kind of, I knew what I liked, I just didn't know a lot about the history, I didn't know a lot about early history, I still don't know a ton, i um, still learning every day. And, uh, you know, his gramps, who's such a big influence to both of us, they took me in as family, basically, mm-hmm. and they exposed me to the the early Ford V8 club, which is a family in its own, I yeah. mean, and the more time you spend with those guys, like Dick Falk, and you know, like, a lot, you realize those guys are hot rodders also, or they're yeah. custom car guys
1: also. These are all early Ford V8 guys that yeah. are customizers, and... You know, the and early Ford V.A. club is a bunch of old guys that have stock early Fords. Yeah. But and a so, lot of them guys are hot rodders, too. Yeah, know? so you... You know, and
2: it's pretty easy. The the,
1: yeah. the guys that know...
2: It's pretty easy for, for the guys who know to stand out, you know? And that that's as simple as it was for me. We'd go to these things, and I'd say, man, I like this car. This is the car that stands out to me. And the more you pay attention to it, the more you realize this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. You know, so... Um, it doesn't have to you be know, like for me, it, it's not super complicated or anything like that. It's just, yeah. um, I kind of settled into a niche and what was interesting and attractive to me and, you know, kind of was downhill from there. And, uh, I think it was just kind of good timing for us, you know, Yeah. Paso Robles, as far as what we were seeing more of, you know, less of the street rod stuff, more of the guys that were kind of building stuff on their own, which was, you know, was exciting. It seemed obtainable to couple of young guys and we both started it took me a while um to to you know i was real interested in bikes and was kind of trying to learn how to build bikes and failing at that and um and then it took you know us getting a house where you could actually have some room to build something something you
1: had a bike in the living room in the apartment we had once Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah And didn't really make it past the mock-up stage but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I messed around with it a ton and um, yeah, so a lot of that kind of shaped us, you know, seeing the stuff going to Paso Robles going to the Cow Palace, going to the, a lot of the local shows and then also seeing it on the other end of the spectrum, being able to work with talented guys and see these cars that we both got to work on kind of come to fruition as a beautiful you know hot rod the high dollar stuff high dollar stuff yeah which was awesome you know it was mm-hmm. kind of it was kind of a, an exciting time you're seeing both sides of it you know yeah and um and yeah i mean i think kind of this was our dream it's kind of i don't know it's easy to kind of lose sight of that you get wrapped up in a business and working sure. and getting things done but I think if we rewound the clock 10 years, this is kind of where we were hoping we'd be.
1: It's crazy, yeah. It's Yeah, we, awesome. yeah you, you, wouldn't ever, you, you wouldn't ever think it 10 years ago that we'd be here today. I mean, you know, we're only four years in, but we just, I guess, hey, it's just meant to be. You know, it's, yeah. it's what we wanted to do. And like Aaron's, you know, saying is that I think the cool part about us, and, you know, we're not the only guys that are, you know, guilty of it, but we're fortunate that, Enough to be involved in, like, the suede room that Cal Palace downstairs that was so cool for our area. Like, yeah. you know, that was such a big movement for everybody in the area and Paso. Mm-hmm. You know, we were kind of at the tail end of that Paso deal. I yeah. really kind of wish that I would have caught onto that earlier, but I mean, I still cherish it. You know, and yeah. uh, you know, Santa Maria is not the same, but it still is a good time to go every year
0: it's another good show at yeah, the same time absolutely. yeah absolutely we fully support we that show we love show, the
1: show. and um, you know we, we kind of got, you really got to do both sides of it and that's I think cool. that's helped the cars and our style because we did get to see both sides and we kind of build the car it, I guess our cars kind of reflect that that we have yeah. that younger mm-hmm. mentality with it but can build the cars you know to the quality of you know just yeah. like any yeah. of the big guys you know so the quality work that you guys are putting out is
0: really impressive like i don't think people realize like how young you guys are and how new the shop is for some of the stuff you guys are putting out Oh, thanks man yeah it's really impressive Well, that's a
1: lot of heart you know i mean it's we really do care you know and uh you you get caught up in it you know you you do a car to the magnitude of that little truck right there and every bolt is clocked on the chassis the same and you know, you get to a point where you do these cars and you just, like, you drive yourself absolutely insane. And I can point out every part that I'm not happy with. And yeah. most people won't see it or will or whatever. But I know the stuff's there. And even as much work as you put on into something, if you had 10 years, it's never going to be perfect. But there's always going to be habits bad spots. And everything does because there is nothing perfect. And I'm kind of a, I drive myself crazy that way, yeah. you know as I'm sure a lot of people do, we all do, and uh, we just push ourselves, you know, we we push ourselves on each build to make it that much better, and, you know, still retain our same style, you know, that's just, that's kind of our whole gig, you know, and it's like, when I was, when I started the shop, I was trying to think of a name, like, what am I going to do, like, what am I going to do for a name for the shop, like, what's going to be something that's... Simple, but like gonna last. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to come up with some crazy name that nobody knows what it is because there's there's so many. Sh- I feel like there's so many shops out there that get caught up in the trend deal. Yeah. That's so they worry about what their shops called. You know, low life customs or or whatever, you know, I don't even know if that's a thing, I'm just saying, like, you and know. It is, that was pulled at
0: random. No, yeah. that, was, that yeah, I don't, it, it
1: may be, I don't know. Yeah, I lots just, of the K's and Z's and that sort of thing. Yeah, the you know, whole trendy to... thing, you know, I, I, I didn't want that. I wanted something very simple and clean, and, you know, we are still the East Bay out here, which, you know, uh, a lot of people like to argue, but you know, we are Far East of Bay, I guess you'd call it, but...
0: I grew up in Livermore, Livermore's still East Bay. East Bay, Bay so. yeah, I mean, this whole
1: area, even though when you think of East Bay, you think of Oakland, Oakland's only 10 minutes away. Yeah, um, when you
0: talk to the dudes that grew up out here, sure. like uh, Frank DeRosa, they used to cruise in Oakland anyways. Like, so sure. it's all, yeah, it's, it's one all big
1: area. Big area, yeah, so, I just always like, you know, like, we keep going back to Dick Falk, Art Hensel, Bill Reasoner. Marcos, Garcia, Daryl, all these guys that have done all this stuff in the East Bay forever, it really special to me and, you know, I'm going to stay here, so you know, East Bay, Speed and Custom was just like, you know, to to show that, you know, we do hot rods and custom cars, you know, that's kind of, I just wanted something simple and clean and everlasting and and I, you know, I'm really happy with that, you know, and, and it's just, that's kind of like our cars, I just wanted something simple and to the point like our cars kind of are, you know, so. Yeah,
0: it's, it's sort of the perfect name and it's really cool like you know East Bay custom builders have never really gotten in my opinion the recognition that they deserve and it's really cool to see like oh this is an East Bay car it's <laughs> like you're goddamn right it yeah, is That's yeah it. exactly <laughs> so like just being a an East Bay car enthusiast sure guess, it's it's really cool
2: So, like Brandon said we have,
0: we have so much pride for
2: you know this area you know we we won't speak just for us but just like the guys that we've been able to work with the guys he keeps mentioning you know and that's that's a, you know the East Bay deal that's a reflection onto them too you know it's like something that we can we can pull from
0: that's really cool yeah Yeah. it's completely in line with what you guys are doing here sure and our you know our mentors
1: and the guys we've grown up around and still learn from every day are the guys that you know are the reason we are who we are and you know I keep going back to it, but Dick Falk is, you know, a lot of people don't even know. I don't even know if you know who he is, but oh, sorry, he, he's sorry, he's, he's a guy here in town that has been customizing cars. He worked for uh, Balon um, back in the 50s, and he did a lot of Balon's work that, you know, nobody ever knew about. But he doesn't get mentioned a lot, but he's one of those guys that's, he's probably the most talented guy I know. And he's 80... One years old, still works every day in his shop right around the corner. Wow. Um, he had the, the uh, he ha- he owned uh, the Dick Williams 27 Roadster that won in 1953. He owned that later, you know, later in the 70s and sold it to, I think he sold it to Blackie. Who owns it now, but he, he's had a lot of pretty famous cars. He had the Cunningham 40 Ford two-door sedan that was channeled from San Francisco and, and ended up being restyled by Barris in the sixties, um, he restored that car too. And he's got a 35 fit and that would just knock anybody straight that, you know, but he's one of those guys that you don't hear about that deserves a respect. And it's from here, Walnut Creek Concord area. That is just, I've been privileged because he's my grandpa's, one of my grandpa's best friends. So I've grown up around this guy and he, he is one of the biggest reasons that I do this. Aaron does this. We all do this. He's, he's just got that style and he's, he's 81 years old and he's just like, he's got a chop Merc he's been building for 20 years, you know, and it's just one of those cars that you see these old guys have that, you know, they, they're still doing this for a living so they never get to their own car type thing. But Dick's always done cars for himself, but this Merc has been sitting and sitting and sitting and it's gorgeous and, you know... I've been picking at him for the last few years. Hey, when are you gonna let me help you? When are you gonna let me help you? When let me That'd help be you. Cool. And I, I finally picked at him enough at Sacramento this year and where he was looking at the truck and I said, Are you ready? Yeah. And he says, You know what, I think I am yeah. and I go, Really? He says, Yeah. So Mike Wanger, who is a guy here in town also that yeah. um, you know, he he, he and Daryl and John Aiello had um acme. Acme Customs, Antioch, for years, who did all Keys and Diogastino's and some of Rick Doors cars and stuff like that for a long time. Mike has a beautiful black 51 Merc that yeah. just. Impossibly nice. Uh, it's just. Mike's one of those guys. Do you know the car? Yeah, yeah. 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 Dead End just did a shoot. With yeah, him. they just yeah. shot it. In fact,
0: oh. his name has been mentioned in every single podcast. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, he, he should really... be
1: because he's one of those guys that <laughs> and he
0: and he will not be the guy
2: to toot his own horse. He he's will never toot his own horse. Opposite horn. of that,
1: absolutely. But just the best guy. So lucky to have him as a friend. And he's his, his his he's just one of those guys with style and taste for days. You know what I mean? He just yeah. very understated. Or won't street. show his car. Just kind of just. He he's always been that way. He he did he did a clone of Moon Glow back in the day. Called it Sun Glow. It was, yeah. it was light yellow. He built a forty Pontiac um, convertible that later Rick Doerr bought and finished and changed. And you know he's had a lot of cars through the years that have just you know when you just you know you know somebody that does a car right, and just knows what they're talking about and knows yeah. the look. He's that guy. So Mike finishes Merc here last year, and that car's just gorgeous. And uh, Mike's another guy that really looks up to Dick Falk. And Mike and I have been talking on the side, like, hey, we need to get Dick to do his Merc. So finally Dick's ready to work on his Merc again. And Mike and I are going to try and help him, like, one day a week. Go that's over awesome. there at night and just, okay, let's go. Let's do this. We'll put in two hours every Tuesday or something. You know, just something very simple to get get this guy working on his car so he can finally have his Merc done. And that's kind of the plan for this next year is to help him with his Merc, but Dick Falk's one of those guys that is very particular about every little detail of this car, and that's why, part of the reason it's taken so long, you know, is is because he's so particular, and every car he does is so right. Yeah. You know, I remember being a kid, I'm driving with my grandpa downtown Walnut Creek, and Dick is one of those guys, he'd, he'd find a low mileage car, whatever it was, if it had low original miles on it, he'd buy it, it didn't even matter if it was a 78 Pontiac or a brand new Mercedes, you know, if it was a, nice clean original car he'd buy it and he had like a man i was probably like 13 or 14 and he had like a late 80s mercedes sedan that he had bought because it had like 4000 original miles on it at the time like why because it was clean yeah. and he was he was at like big o tire that's yeah. a
2: body man.
1: Yeah, could, that's, a, that's, that's, a, a that's a real body man. That's a real because,
2: body man painter because the yeah. color match will drive him crazy so he's <laughs> yeah. looking for something that's perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not that he even wanted the car. He just couldn't not buy it because it was so nice and original. So <laughs> But it, what I'm getting at it didn't have to be a 50 Merc or a 32 yeah. Roadster. Like he, this guy just has an appreciation for cars in general and he found a nice original car so he just like had to buy it. <laughs> so he had this Mercedes, right? And we're driving downtown Walnut Creek and we drive by Big O Tires and here... Dick is standing outside of Big O Tires outside the bay, and the Mercedes is up on the lift with the tires off. <laughs> so we pull in, and hey, how's it going, Dick? Oh, you good, and we're talking, and everybody's cool, and what are you doing? Oh, I'm having tires put on the Mercedes. Oh, really? Okay. Did it need tires? No, I didn't like the sidewall and the tires that were on it. <laughs> And I look at Grandpa and I go, "Is this guy crazy? Like, what's the deal with this this guy?" You know, growing up around, I mean, I knew him, but I, sure. I didn't know he's that crazy. He he had big O tires that day, put like five different sets of tires on this Mercedes to get the right size and sidewall on the tire of this late eighties Mercedes that he was just going to turn. Like, yeah. he's just that particular about stuff, you know. And and I think that's a small you know, example of how I hope to be that crazy. When
2: somebody does something like that, or they do something that's different than what everybody else does. And then you all, then you realize their work or their cars are different than everybody else's. Then you got, you, you got to pick up on that because okay. that's, those are those things that stand
1: out. You know, most guys walk through a car show and go, Oh, did you see that guy with the crazy flaked roof? Did you see that car? Oh yeah, I saw that car, but like, I guess we've just been trained around you know the cars we've been around. Like, look at cars totally different. Yeah, you know, and and most cars that probably the cars that we're gonna like the most are the ones that nobody looks at. Yeah, like the the pictures of the cars you sent me from uh, Autorama. But yeah.
0: Not that they weren't nice, they they did, but they definitely weren't flashy. Sure. It was like, it was funny. Like he sent was it sixty sixties sixty six. Sixty six Impala. Sixty six Impala yeah you know it's a it's like a real real nice green with a like reverse true spokes or something yeah. on it i sort of laughed when i saw it. it's like you know if you guys were yeah. to build a low rider this is like the, it makes perfect sense yeah very <laughs> like simple. Like close to a factory color yeah. so simple the right
1: wheels right tires yeah it's a, and that's all important for any yeah. build you know yeah And i sent you a picture of that riviera too yeah.
0: yeah yeah the
1: riviera also another, a, another simple like yeah but so kind of like outside of our box a little bit, but yeah. still, I don't know. I guess I, ju- I guess that just applies to every kind of car, you know, yeah. you, whether it be your new car or or whatever, you know. Sure. it's just it, it's just kind of the thing, whether it's nineteen twenty four or or you know current day. Yeah, I was thinking out. Kind of, we have a, a Volkswagen with a CC. Uh huh. It's got a molded console
0: and bucket seats. in Yeah. It. Like when I when I saw it at the dealership, I was like, oh shit, look at that interior! Like uh-huh. it's got like horizontal pleats to it, and like a molded center console. Like, man, That's like, cool, yeah. You, you know exactly where that styling came from. Exactly. Like, Breaking all the rules right now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, we, we play this game every almost everywhere we go, and it's you get a kick out of it. It's like, go to Sacramento, Auto lot around and we choose a car. Okay, what car do you choose? You know, you get to pick a car that you can go home with. You know,
1: we do it every car show. And yeah,
2: yeah, and man,
1: it's usually very odd. Like it's usually <laughs> no. My this is my favorite one was I I can't remember what year it was, but we went. I think it was one of the first years. God, what? It was one of the first years that that we went down to Pomona for the Grand National because. I didn't start going to the Grand National until after I started working for Daryl, and that was almost 15 years ago, or 12 or 13, 14 years ago. But it was a few years after it started, but it, one of the first years I went. And we go, and I think, yeah, well, you went, obviously. And we were down there together, and we go through the show. We do our whole thing, get the weekend over. We're driving home, and I always ask him first, what, all right, what's your pick, dude? Yeah. What is it? Mm-hmm. And he picked the barber car. Dan Woods. No, it wasn't Dan Woods. Wasn't that Baelin car? Or Was it Dan? Dan Woods. Yeah, I think Dan. He Dan did Woods that. did that car. I think Dan Woods did that. It's this barber. fucking car that. It's a, a seventy show rod. Yeah. It was a barber chair on wheels. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Fucking.
1: Have you ever seen awesome. that thing? It's not familiar. No. <laughs> you got.
0: You'd see
2: remember. It. Yeah. I'll tell you that you haven't seen it because you remember. Yeah. yeah. It's. It, it, so it, tell me that some crazy guy built a barber car, and had the balls to show it, and probably drive it. It looks first off, it looks scary. It looks like a chariot. Like you, dude. It had a wheelbase. It. it
1: had like a two foot wheelbase on it, and it had like reversed. Like when I mean reversed, I mean like probably ten inch wide, thirteen inch Kragers on it. Jeez. You know, <laughs> with like indie rap Goodyears on it. Like this, this thing is absolutely. Normally, normally,
2: it's pretty. It's like we're pretty her, predictable. Yeah, yeah. Herb Bob Ogden, forty-one Buick convertible. Like yeah, pretty simple taste. But yeah, every once in a while, that kind of
1: set the pace because I think the next year, the year after that, I chose the ice truck. The ice truck. And, and yeah, that's honestly, not a lot of people will probably guess that I love that, but that's probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. cars ever built. Was the Dan Woods ice truck and that thing is insane. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, part of the reason I like Dan Wood stuff is like I said I like Rivieras. Skylark wires are like in my opinion one of the best-looking I mean, wheels on the planet. Yeah. I don't care what kind of car you have. I swear if I took the right set of Skylark wires and tires, I could put them on that truck. Yeah absolutely and you wouldn't think that that would work but it would work so dan woods was a hot rod builder from l area and his part of his business early on was taking skylark wires and reversing them and put them on different hoops and a lot of the early show rods in the 70s <laughs> way you know way before maybe they were used a lot on low riders but they were on a lot of hot rods yeah and then they were really popular and that thing had like 12 inch <laughs> wide <laughs>
2: hoops <laughs> yeah
1: fucking <laughs> dude a foot yeah. deep perfect chrome reverse skylarks on it you right. know and it just that car is so crazy have you ever seen that car the ice truck yes yeah and Woods ice familiar. truck yeah, yeah. but we yeah that's part of our game every show we pick a car and those were probably the highlight too we'll yeah. have to just send him the 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 pigs, yeah, sure. yeah, but he's gonna Pitcher. he's gonna get super bored.
0: Of most of the picks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh oh shit! But that's kind of you know, kind of how we like gauge <laughs> gauge how the show went by our picks after the show. Yeah, we make grandpa pick one. Yeah. My grandpa always goes to all the car shows with us. That's he cool. picks one, and Aaron picks one, and I pick one, and they cannot be the same car. Yeah. Most of the time, yeah, most of the time one of us picks the same as one of the other people. So we usually let Grandpa go first because yeah. Yeah. he's the OG and he gets to pick what he wants. And most of the time, just by nature, Aaron or I will want the same part of Grandpa, but Grandpa gets his pick first. Oh, yeah. So, love that guy. Yeah, he's the best. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. You know, we do a lot of, you know, we're trying to do as many shows as we can, but, you know, we try and hit the. You know, the, I guess the biggest shows for our area, we don't go too far, but L.A., yeah. Sacramento, Santa Maria, you know, we might venture out a little further with that truck we're going to build. Yeah.
0: Because
1: the customer's from Arizona, and he actually might want to autocross this truck a little wow. bit, so it's going to be like a full show truck, but <laughs> be able to, like, get beat on, so um, that'll be pretty neat and different for us, too, so, as well as doing a show car, but performance, you know. Yeah. Because we do a lot of performance stuff, but uh, our era performance is very archaic and very slow <laughs> right. because yeah. we like flatheads. And when we say performance, they're not really performing for shit. They're just... Right. <laughs> I guess Yeah. We're talking, uh, yeah, very, very minimal horsepower. 250 horsepower if we're lucky. Wow, that's a lot. You're <laughs> being pretty generous there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just... That's kind of the the gist of our show car stuff. I mean, we keep going back to the show car thing. because it's so important. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody's got their reasons. That's just stars,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it,
1: it gets you out there. It gets you in the so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: so, I mean, not to say that drivers aren't super important to us because we've spent so much time traveling and doing fun stuff with different clubs or to different shows. I mean that's a huge part of what's shaped Brandon and myself. Um, you know, more fun than anything is going to, you know, what was Paso or Santa Maria now with yeah. your buddies and driving there, you know, the drive is the fun part.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the one really cool thing about Santa Maria that carried over from Paso. It's still a driven car show to me. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean half the fun, of Paso was getting there you know like yeah and at Santa Maria I went maybe the second year but I think they didn't have the cruise night yet uh huh and so it was like a very stale sort of small show yeah. it's gotten so much better but man like with Paso in like 2003 2004 like the car show started in your hometown like you'd see your friends getting stuff ready and along the way like every gas station you'd stop at on the way to Paso it would be like it's own little car show, and like my first time there, I had, I had no idea where the show started. You make your way down to Spring Street, and there's a car show in every damn parking lot. That was so yeah. cool. Every right? hotel, every yeah, yeah, like the the A and W there, and uh-huh. then like as you get past the park, God, it was so crazy. Yeah. There was
1: really nothing like it because it was about driven cars. Like it's, it's I guess pretty awesome. I didn't have anything that could drive, make it down there. Yeah, yeah. We had that T Coupe, and like,
2: and we drove your fifty five down there. Oh, no, that no. was Santa
1: Maria, wasn't it? No, we drove uh, Lucille, a 51 Chevy. Yeah, that's true. Um, down there, but that was after I sold it, and Timmy was, our yeah. buddy Timmy, who's a good friend of ours, and uh, he I sold him a 51 Chevy Coupe, and uh, I had bought it and got it running and stuff, and then he took it and did finish the whole car. I'm sure you know the car, the light green one with the light green top. Yes. From yeah. Well, he lives in Livermore now, yeah. but... Um, we drove that, he was like 14 at the time, and I drove him because he didn't have a license. <laughs> I was like 21 or something, but uh, we drove that to down to Paso, but we were towing my t coupe, and man, I drove that t coupe around town in Paso, no registration, yeah. no exhaust, I mean, just <laughs> typical Paso, you know, like, right. bombed that thing around, so crazy. My buddy drove, he built a, I it was a 50,
0: 51 Limit, no, oh. Dodge, it was a Dodge, it was a yeah, all the early 50s Mopars looked the same. Sure. He dropped a slant six and a three-speed. Like, the whole driveline from, like, an Aspen station wagon. Uh-huh. You know? He dropped into the car, finished it the night before the show, and we bombed down. And it still had tags on the car from 1976. <laughs> 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 that car show was so illegal. Like, yeah. And you drove it all the way down. He, I followed. We were in the 57. I think this was 2003. We were actually towing a trailer. Like, the you know, hotels were so impossible to get. We pulled yeah. this... 59 uh, fiesta trailer out of of someone's backyard got it for 200 bucks so that was our like jam to get down to the show sure we had like a a trailer hitch that we found like (laughs) bolted (laughs) to the bottom of the car yeah it was so much fun like it it was a dangerous car show
1: yeah it was it was such a cool thing to be a part of it it was and it's, it's such a shame but like i get it but don't get it you know like that brought so much revenue to that town but it also brought a lot of trouble yeah, you know, that that was really wasn't the image that that town was going for, so it had to end. I mean, all good things had to come to an end like that, but it was a really cool time. Paso was really, yeah. you and know, Santa
0: Maria's yeah. getting there. Like, well, it's, I
1: honestly believe that, like Friday night in Santa Maria. That was the most fun I've, last year. Like it was awesome. It, yeah. I haven't had that much fun. A you know, show in a I, long I have time. all sorts of friends, and we know all. You, I'm sure you know the same kind of people that are like went to San Maria the first year or second year. Yeah, when it was just getting going, and the, they won't go back because I was like that for a few years. Yeah, like, and uh, you, luckily we stuck with it and gone. I think I yeah. only missed one year, but um, it's really pretty good. You know, yeah. it really is a good show. And that's the thing we all gotta. <laughs> if everybody
2: goes then it becomes more fun that's the right. thing is you know we make it what it is Paso's gone so we have right. Santa Maria we might as well get behind sure. it and support it just like all the other stuff the Autorama even Pomona you know Pomona gets a big turnout but all the stuff I mean if you don't get out and support it and do your best then it's, gonna go, it's gonna go away Yeah, and that's what makes it fun is everybody building
1: cars and trying to get their stuff to it and you know yeah, last year was just like the funnest year of Santa Maria for me because I, I was getting I got married last year, yeah. and Aaron threw my bachelor party while we were at Santa. Perfect because yeah. like I'm not like a sports dude. I'm not a partier. Like yeah. I'm a car guy. So of course our bachelor party, my bachelor party is going to be at a car show, right? Yeah. yeah. I have a That's lot cool. of friends that don't aren't into cars and stuff, so like they didn't come. But like all the car guys came, and. It was so much fun. It was so much fun in yeah. Santa Maria. I won't I won't get into the stories because they're not really funny. <laughs> not, let's yeah. just say that we had a good time. Was it Saturday night? Yeah. Saturday night. We had fun. We had yeah. fun, yeah.
2: We had we had, yeah, all of our car buddies made it. Well, most of them. You know who you are that didn't show up.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we had a great time on Saturday night and uh there was a couple of our customers that were involved in the fun too and that was that was cool yep. and uh Santa Maria's a good time man it really is a good time yeah, i mean I, really I wish i really time. wish that the people that went the first couple of years and were disappointed would come back to it now because yeah. i really feel like they got it nailed on friday night and it's oh, a yeah. lot of fun I, i'm
0: i'm that person i went i think it was the second year I, we missed the first year for sure I think it was the second year, and there wasn't a cruise night on Friday. And if there was, there was, like... No, it, it was... Well, lady. it was unsanctioned, yeah. Yeah. And I was... And we were vending, too. So, like, for us, like, we showed up, we set up inside. Like, I'd see the doors open every once in a while. And peek sure. out at the car show. It was such a boring experience for us that yeah. we didn't go back for years. But we finally went back, and we took the car, and we didn't enter it. You know, I parked in the neighborhood sure. during the cruise. But, like, we were there, we were part of it, and, like... I got to hop in my buddy's car, cruise down the, the sure. Strip. Man, I hadn't had that much fun in such a long time. It was time. great. And yeah. there was so
1: many cars out there, you know I mean?
0: And, like, really, Paso is such an unlikely place for a, a thing like that. It can't be the town,
1: right? No. It's, the, yeah. people. it's the, the people. It's the people. It's us. But, you know, the big, the it. biggest part of Paso was, like, the deal there was, was that, like, everything happened in such a close proximity, yeah. you know, like, the park being right there, the cruise being right there. That's the only thing that you know so different from people to try and grasp about San Maria because the shows in the fairgrounds, yeah, and not they keep calling it like a good guys show, but it's not. I mean, it's still a great time, you know. And you know, we're gonna keep supporting it. You yeah. know, we're gonna keep going and keep having a good time and keep thrashing on cars to get them done. And you know, just like all these shows, and it's like Aaron said, if you don't do it, it's gonna go away. You know. Yeah. yeah. And we do a lot of other stuff, like I I keep mentioning the early Ford V8 Club, you know, that like a lot of these hot rod shows and stuff, like, we don't take our girlfriend, Aaron's, Aaron's has a girlfriend he's been with for, what, eight years, Yeah, and I'm married and have a daughter, and, uh, you know, like, we go down to L.A., it's really hard for the girls to go, you know, and, yeah, you know, so we do a lot of early Ford V8 Club stuff, because that stuff is, like, super family-oriented, and, you know, the girls have fun going to that, and, you know our girls are like you know I know we haven't mentioned them at all yet but like they're like they're the best. That's that's our support group right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. and you know we we couldn't do this without our women we really couldn't. Yeah. You know, I mean so. they basically take care of everything so we can run the shop. I mean, so we can yeah. be immature and be here <laughs> building hot rods in the <laughs> middle of the night at four a.m. for four months straight. Yeah. yeah. And they're like oh,
2: yeah. so let me get this straight you're hanging out with your friends all night working <laughs> on cars tell four and i'm supposed to be cool with this i'm supposed yeah. to do your laundry and, yeah and
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know they totally have been behind us and you know they get as much they deserve as much credit as we do yeah. for yep. really doing this because every you know good man knows that his wife or his woman behind him is
0: you know yeah, so important you yeah know?
1: without them i mean we wouldn't survive. We'd, We'd be dead. It. We'd be yeah. in there dead somewhere. <laughs> We'd still be thrashing on that Mount truck Durge. and forgot that L.A. even happened. Yeah. You know? So, that's really important to us. And, you know, family is everything. Yeah. You know? Our relationships and our, our family is everything. And and that's a big part of this car hobby because, you know, like my wife, her, her family is a sports family.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? And I don't relate to that. Yeah. My... <laughs> don't relate to that. Yeah. And I don't... And there's nothing wrong with it. No. I mean, we all joke, but, like, those are the jocks, you right. know, like...
2: Yeah.
1: And that's cool. And there's a lot of car guys that are sports guys, too. Yeah. I'm just not one of them, man. Like, yeah. I don't... I cannot sit in front of a TV. I don't... I, I just don't relate to the fact that some guys can sit in front of a TV and watch a freaking game and not be a part of it. Like... Yeah. Uh,
0: like, I play sports before I
1: watch. I'm uh, not much of a sports That's player. what I mean. I like, be, like, get your ass off the couch and go play if you're going to be such a fan. Like... <laughs> For us, this is our sport, yeah. and it's our hobby. It's our it's our everything. So and we do it. So I look at guys like, no offense to all you sports fans, but like, <laughs> it's just not me. So yeah. like my wife's side of the family is all sports people, and I'm just the car guy. I can't you know? be
0: entertained with watching car stuff on TV either. I mean, there's so many car shows out these days. It makes yeah. me like I get like, frustrate, I'll I'll watch someone do car stuff, I'll shut it off and go out to the garage, (laughs) like, yeah, (laughs) I gotta work, like, yeah, it drives me crazy. I think
2: that's the mentality, I mean, we, we've always been doing, we've always done stuff, we've always been work, you know, helping somebody, or helping each other, or whatever it is, we've always been striving for this, neither one of us are the type to just kind of veg out, you know, we've always been doing things, you know, we all need a little time to relax once in a while, but, Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't get the sit in front of the T V thing yeah. that often, but I do, you know, watch all the shows with my girlfriend and whatever she wants, you know. Just to spend time with her Like, yeah, sure. Cool. Sure, I, I like it. Let's yeah. decompress a little bit. Yeah, yeah there's a place for that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So.
1: But it's 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 definitely been you know, we're getting smarter the longer we do this as <laughs> as far as, you know, like working late nights, spending time away from the girls, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough on everybody, yeah. and, uh, you know, like I said, we're just fortunate to have good women in our lives, and good families, and friends, and, you know, customers, and everything, and we're just, I keep saying that we're fortunate, because we are, we really are, you know, because mm-hmm. we are new in the industry, and, but we work hard, and, and we do everything we can to keep this going, and, and, you know, I, I think that's really going to be why we last, because we're gonna keep doing that, and keep that motto, you know, and keep making the cars better, and yeah. you know, and and try and keep our style. So,
2: yeah, and uh, we appreciate you too coming out here to sit with us and do this, listen to all neat. this bullshit. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, I I love it. Awesome. Well, what?
1: I could probably keep you guys here all night. Well, we no. can talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> <But> we can't. <laughs> we can't. We'll start. We'll go off on <laughs> yeah. tangents. It'll be crazy. We'll end up talking about hot dogs or something. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much. Absolutely, thank man. You. We really appreciate it. We're we're here to support you and what you're doing, too, so we dig it. It's really appreciate
0: cool. It. So there you have it. Uh, th- those guys are great. I had a really great time sitting down and talking with them. And like we said, we could have gone on all night. Um, when I was packing up the mic, we were taking one last pass through the shop, and uh, you know, Mickey's mouse is so impossibly nice, and it was right there. That uh, I really got a, a good chance to look at it closely, and Brandon pointed out something that he had hoped to bring up during the interview, but we just we just didn't get to. Um, so this car was Mickey Himself's daily driver back when he was in high school, and when he was in high school, he took a girl on a date. Now, apparently, I I don't know Mickey, but people who do say he's always late to everything, and when he was a high schooler, he was no different. So that girl picked up this little chrome accessory clock and gave it to him as a present, you know, as a reminder to never be late. And uh, when Mickey sold the car in the early 60s, that was one of the few things that he kept from it. Now that girl, his high school girlfriend, he ended up marrying, and uh, she passed away from breast cancer about 10 years ago. So what what Brandon told me was one night, late at night they're putting the car back together and it has the original chrome dashboard in it and it still had the little threaded hole there for the clock so one of the last things that they did on the car was uh, Mickey came into the shop holding a bag of parts that he'd been hanging on to since high school and there was that clock, the original uh, clock that his girlfriend had given him so many years ago still in great working shape Um, and Brandon said installing that clock on the dashboard was the only thing that went easy on the whole car. So if you get a chance to get up close to the car and take a look, it's right there in the middle of the dashboard. Um, if you're lucky enough to see Brandon or Aaron or Art or Mickey and one of those guys standing around the car, see if they'll wind it for you. It still works. There's a, a little heart-shaped pendulum at the top. It's a, it's a really special detail that, for me, just made the whole thing that much more important.